Hey gang, this is Fillmore, just letting you know that if you enjoy our podcast, quite frankly, a Howard Stern podcast, and you'd like to donate some money for the upkeep, uh, or you want to request certain clips, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash jimfix. That's J-I-M-F-I-X-X. You can donate as much as you want for as long as you want. There's absolutely no obligation. How old are you? Right now, 54. And you're going to a psychiatrist four days a week. Three days now. Three Dr. days three a week. Days. Yeah. I'm 17. I go one fucking time. I'm the guy that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> what if I strolled in a girl who's into geeky-looking, pelican-looking odd guy? <laughs> I cared about you. And, and she's got a fetish. She's into yeah. pelican. Bring her in. And, so uh, so you say and the whole, like a pelican. Yeah. yeah. You're saying I'm fat. Yeah, the whole segment yeah. is about fat. The whole and segment I look like is a about pelican. this odd chick. Like in an obese, disgusting Fuck off. guy. You're a fucking asshole. So, why? I met a great girl. Okay. The world is full of great girls. No. She's hot. Yes. She's hot. Yes. She talks. Yes. She listens. Good in bed. She, she's good in bed. Right. Yeah, because that's rare. Okay. Move into Sam's house and get the fuck out of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Fat we'll get beat. We'll get Beetlejuice to pick out yeah, our get shoes. Fatter. Get fatter, Artie. <laughs> We're more of those fucking guys. Beetlejuice will pick out Howard Church. You can look at Sam and blow him. What must the rest of your life be like? And Doesn't it remind you? Did you ever see the Twilight Zone with the little kid who wants everyone to be happy? And if they're not, then he kills them? I think, uh, well, I don't think you're at, I don't think you're at that level, but there's a little bit of truth in that. I mean, and look, and again. When I was a little kid, yeah, he just slowed it down. When I was a little kid, my dad would take me to ball games. I would sit there with my hands over my head. I was so scared of getting hit well, by a ball. Yeah. You've been going out with this chick for two years? Yeah. Yeah. Met at Shabbat dinner. Who is she? Met at Shabbat. With Brenda. Ah, that's brilliant. Who is she? She's only the love of your life. She's Beth. Beth. Wait a minute. I know somebody who knows Beth, but... Who is it? I'm trying to think who it is. Somebody who went to school with her or something. I can't remember now, but it's 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 one of those weird stories. Like, I think she always wanted to be with somebody famous. Was this? Oh, stop. Uh, <laughs> man! Somebody said that really? Tell you the truth, man. Here's some guy. That's the problem with radio. Some guy who's managing an automotive parts store yeah. is telling you how to uh, do your radio show. Meanwhile, I'm a genius. Absolutely. Well, maybe we did teach you how to steal material. That was good. That was true. You did teach me how to do that. We're good. Welcome, everybody, to the latest installment of, quite frankly, a Howard Stern podcast. I'm your host, Fillmore Fingers, a.k.a. Fillmore, a.k.a. Jim Fix. With me, of course, is my wonderful co-host, Sam. Hi, guys. And with us for the ride, once again, is our beloved Bob D., our uh, expert on all things NPD. Uh, how you doing, Bob? Good. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Um, especially now that we got this uh, under, hopefully, technical issues uh, all sorted out and uh, recording issues are going to be fine, I think, from now on. Um, this particular episode, guys, we decided, we, we originally were going to make it about Allison and Beth, uh, and just the, uh, in terms of narcissistic personality disorder, or in this case, covert narcissistic personality disorder, as how it relates to his relationships with his two spouses. Um past and present and the what happened was we looked at the clips i looked at the clips and i said we got way so much we got too much allison but also 
um, not enough. So what I decided was we're going to cut it into Allison and then a Beth part at another time because it's just too much. It's too vast and it's too, it, the stuff is too good to leave in just a two hour or three hour episode and divided. We're going to miss good stuff if we just go half and half, uh, in one episode. So we're going to stretch it out a little bit. Sam, you wanted to say. I also think too, it's not because we're just being lazy. It's because the Beth stuff is so vastly different than the Allison stuff. Mm -hmm. If we want to give it any sort of credence or put uh, a good amount of effort into it, it's going to require two parts. That's right. Just, I mean, we're we're not trying to we're not trying to pad it out like the Manhattan phone book to uh, make it appear bigger or make it. Uh, we just want to make sure we do it justice. So uh, to lead things off, um, we go back to our favorite, well, or one of our favorite uh, doctors on the internet, uh, Doctor Todd Grande, and he's got a clip called the uh, Ten Signs of Vulnerable. vulnerable <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to try this again. The 10 signs of vulnerable narcissistic abuse. And the first sign, uh, as I've clipped them, is called uh, self-victimization, which you hear a lot in Howard um, from countless clips. So here's Dr. Todd Grande. So the first sign of vulnerable narcissistic abuse is in a romantic relationship. Again, I'm talking about a heterosexual romantic relationship where we see that somebody starts arguments in which they portray themselves as the victim when the evidence doesn't really support that they're the victim. And kind of another aspect of this sign is kind of playing the victim from something that happened a long time ago. So maybe the vulnerable narcissist was legitimately a victim, but it happened like 10, 20, 30 years ago, the victimization, and they bring it up kind of as if it's a current issue. <laughs> Doesn't this describe him talking about every, like the, during this whole week, Sam, you listened regularly to the show. Um, oh, unfortunately. The, uh, about, about his parents' shit and how they didn't teach him, like Ben didn't teach him how to do this and, oh, it's his fault. And then Ray's fault for doing this. Everything's someone else's it was, fault. It was almost, it was such a conundrum because he was, this week, was upset about Ray how she is on the phone with him and how everything's a travesty and he feels like he has to solve all her problems. But thank God for this Dr. Todd Grand or not. I'm sorry. Sure. Thank God for this Dr. <laughs> Schlossman or Schloss, whatever. Dr. His name was. Yeah. Who, whatever. Schlossnick. Whatever thank, his fucking name is. Yeah. Thank God for him because then he doesn't have to deal with his mother. But then he also somewhat resented the fact that the doctor got the attention for being so important in her life. It was like, pick a narrative, fucker. His, his NTD is, it's really out of control now. I mean, it is like completely, looking back on a lot of these clips, he seems a lot more well-adjusted, even though he's a complete mess. But when you hear him now, I mean, there is no filter for his personality disorder at all. It is on full display. So, Bob, in your in your estimation, would you say it was it was always bad, but he had, I don't know, breakers on him back in the day to sort of stem the the extent of it or to hide or mask how bad it was? Yeah, yeah, I, I think he had more controls, more self control, um, possibly a little bit more um, self awareness, and um, I think as people really embrace their celebrity and as that goes on a lot of those filters come down for people in general mm -hmm. so 
um, let alone someone that, that did have a full-blown personality disorder. I think he's just more comfortable because he is at a point of power now. He has he has some serious wealth and he, he probably has a lot of pull in, in the companies, you know, that he's involved in. I guess it's just mm-hmm. serious right now, but yeah. And he doesn't really answer to anybody, including yeah. his spouse, especially his spouse. Sam, you wanted to say. Okay, so a two-prong um, thought. One, what were the buffers that, or at least the brake pads that he had back then to um, kind of alleviate such full force of this personality disorder like right now? I mean, the, when he was talking about Regis dying, that to me was, again, like the Kobe Bryant thing. It was out of control this week with how crazy narcissistic it was Mm. in just terms of how you think of someone's death and then Mm. too as we move like you said towards this more narcissistic society where Mm. we have everyone can have a platform everyone can be somewhat their own virtual superstar so Mm -hmm. to speak how does that affect a classic narcissist who has had this type of personality disorder before internet, before this um, self-aggrandizing type of climate? And take your time. I, I think <laughs> I think it's not so much in Howard's case that he, you know, the, the self-made superstar, everybody's a superstar now. I think what really kind of validates Howard and what I do see going on in society is this just constant victimization of everybody. You know, everybody can find a certain lane to validate their victimization. It doesn't really matter who you are or what the situation is. There's this almost like mass coddling that's going on. And I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to sound like hard hearted. I'm not one of these old school guys where it's, you know, don't no. don't share your your feelings or whatever. But I yeah. do think that there is a lot of, um, I guess, not a Enab- lot of accountability. Enabling too, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so you so you don't think so you don't think that the climate of like how it's changed from then has an effect on his personal NPD. Oh no, I think it does dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think it has a profound effect because he's trying to attach himself to all these different victimized groups. Um, okay. From what I can tell, you know, in listening to him. Okay. We'll play the rest of Dr. Todd and then we'll uh, continue with our first clip. So we see a tendency here to be unforgiving, right? Little things just can't be released. They can't let the little things go. And this is interesting because it's kind of consistent with paranoid personality disorder. It has kind of a few features of that disorder. Now we know when we look at vulnerable narcissism, if we take it to an extreme, there isn't a clear pathology aligned with it like there is with grandiose narcissism. With grandiose narcissism, we see narcissistic personality disorder at the extreme. With vulnerable narcissism, we really don't see that, but we see certain symptoms of certain disorders seem to be present. And this one, as I mentioned, seems to align with paranoid personality disorder. Yes, Sam. Is there any biological factor for a paranoid personality disorder that can spring into NPD, or is there any biological factors for either? Um, 
with paranoia, you, you usually see, um, I believe it's really high levels of histamine in the brain. There, as far as what any kind of pathology or, you know, biological makeup of someone with NPD, um, the best that they have is you do see some reduced blood flow to the prefrontal lobe, which is also what you see in people with, um, you know, psychopaths. But I personally believe that NPD is, um, has to do with blood flow to the brain and carrying oxygen and nutrients to the brain because if there is a uh you know any kind of um i don't know, barrier to that the brain will start to adapt and rewire itself towards survival mode and that's sort of what i believe npd is in a way it's a rewiring of the brain for this just sort of emotionally based thinking survival mode constantly mm-hmm. cool Thank you. Now, with, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to go through the. There's only 20 seconds left on that clip, so I just wanted to. I know that some of them are longer, some of them are shorter. With this first sign, I'm going to introduce the idea of the dark cloud, which is kind of one of my theories about vulnerable narcissism, and it ties to several of the signs of vulnerable narcissistic abuse. But here, the unforgiving nature would be just one aspect of the dark cloud that I'll talk about again with some of these other signs. Okay, so that's the end of the first clip. Now we're going to go into a clip that's from 1994, uh, June 29th of 1994, and it was uh, mostly all about uh, Howard and Allison's sex life, or lack thereof at the time, and it's a fascinating clip if you listen to it. Uh, understand, guys, we have there are older clips we can go into, but the more telling Allison clips are closer to the divorce, and the bigger he gets than r- instead of earlier on, but we have uh, ones from there as well, and even later, that d- betray his relationship with him and his kids uh, and his wife at the time. So this first one is called, number one, uh, Wig thinks famous guys should be entitled to strange. Is there no such thing as true love? Um, yeah, I'm in love with my wife. It's just it would be nice to sample some of the goods. See, how come women don't think, like, I think that you deserve a medal? Right. For doing what you did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, women think that that's what Quite frankly, that's what he's supposed the reason, to do. The reason I deserve a medal. Oh, you. I'll give you a medal. Is because. <laughs> it's harder for you as a man. Let, let's put it this way. If I never became famous and I was just, you know, some dude. Right. Allison would deserve the medal. Yeah. And you would go, wow, she's kind of cute. Why is she with him? <laughs> you know, what does she possibly see in him? He's such a loser. And she's cute. She could have had some really good guy. Okay, I'm going to continue playing that one, but that was just like to get the 40, 30 seconds down. It's actually a little more than 30 seconds, but Sam, yeah? Okay, so in 1994, how old is he? He is... <sighs> Hold on. Um, 40... Oh, Jesus. Now, I'm gonna, now this is going to bother me. Well, what in year the, was okay, he born? In, in 2002, he's 50, so let's do the math. Um, eight years. Eight. So 42, so early 40s. Okay. Yeah, at least. So, so oh, how how superficial does that argument, let alone set aside the NPD, how superficial does it sound to put it, uh, your wife who has children with you and a family in those terms of, well, if she was better looking and I wasn't famous, then uh, poor her. But if... I'm famous and she's just regular, then poor me. I mean, this is such 
a terrible parameter. <laughs> was it Bob? Was it you that uh, wanted to use this clip specifically? I think it was you that recommended this one, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I, okay, I don't, well, he, it might have if it gets into the sex stuff, probably. But I don't know yes, about that. This is the sex stuff, absolutely. But this, and I, I just clipped the stuff where it was pertinent because every now and then these clips, there's 40, 50 seconds of caller bullshit that we have to put up with. Um, mm. But you're right, Sam. It is funny because it, he's starting to, okay, he's just come out with, I think, 90, 90, 1994. The book, the first book has just come out and he's starting to get bigger. He's becoming more national. Um, and he's probably signed the new line, the deal, not new line, but he's trying to get Fartman made. So he's feeling his oats. He's feeling like, okay, now I'm getting bigger. He's not Howard Stern capital letters just yet, but he's still, he's pretty big and he's getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And, but regardless, uh, you're in your forties and this vapid yeah. train of thought in relationships is actually disturbing like that yeah, i don't even think i thought of this in late high school of relationships <laughs> i'm not even joking yeah the underdeveloped for sure yeah totally uh, rep- what do you call it um no nah, nah, i was gonna say regressed but he uh to- he just totally stunted at you know high school level and never ever fucking grew past a certain level emotionally mentally um in terms of his he's because his desirability part of that maybe stems for the fact that he's so fucking hideous and never believed he was good looking and so this validates him right all these hot women that are famous he's famous they're they're clinging on to him like amy lynn back in the day and tempest and all these strippers that he would have come in and penthouse pets but it just feeds his what is it narcissistic supply was that the expression mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so and, so and when th- that when that starts to become really potent it, it, it'll kind of send them into a mania mm-hmm. it's almost like they have bipolar swings based on the su- amount of supply and quality of supply that they have wow even yeah. JD this week, he was saying how he's had JD come in and he said, uh, tell everyone what you thought about Regis and how you admired him and how you thought I was funny. And he, you know, drilled him about that. And then he said, nobody would even want to hang out with you in high school. And now look, because of this show, you have people who want to hang out with you and go to your wedding and do this stuff. Like, wow, that's his, <laughs> that's, that's the vapidness that continues even in yeah. his fucking seventies. He's going to be 70 in a few, in a couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. not too dissimilar from the last episode. You remember Bob, we were talking about um, the hurricane Sandy stuff. And then he was saying about how hype bitch Mike, like, you know what, dude, when you've done this, then you can criticize me. You know, when you've, you know, learned how to keep an audience and all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's so, it's so like strangely childish in a way. Yeah. That you don't it, expect this from an adult. It, it, you know, I think kind of when I say these things, maybe it seems like I'm trying to make them fit with NPD, mm-hmm. but that's that's actually very common in NPD. They're emotionally um, underdeveloped. Um, they're usually immature and, and not terribly self-aware. You see that quite quite a bit. I mean, it's actually um, very prevalent in people that have NPD. Mm-hmm. Let's finish this clip or try our best. He's lucky to have her. Unfortunately, I've got, you know, Amy Lynn in my room in Cleveland. I'm giving her a massage to this song, you know. 
Wherever it is. Where's my hammer song? Where's your song? <laughs> my hammer song around? Oh, okay. Let me play hammer. Remember when you were young? I think you... I'm the only guy playing this, but it's my song with Amy. Hey, it's all good. Yeah, and I'm playing, you know. <laughs> this, this CD player. I don't see it. why it's not a hit. It's actually a very funny, fun song. This CD player is such a piece of garbage. Now, this if you didn't know the age of the fucking clip, you'd know it from that hammer reference. Yes, Sam, sorry. I never knew where Robin stood with any of this. It's so flippant. Um, she always seems to be on one or the other side at any moment and it never actually, I can't, I can't ever pin, pigeonhole her into a position. Sometimes it's clear, but then yeah. other times, like in this clip where she said in the beginning, oh, I'll, I'll something with that metal or whatever, I'll give you a metal. Like she seems to be on Allison's side. And then all right. of a sudden now we're talking about the hammer and the song. She's like, oh, yeah, let's let it play. And this is your song with her. Well, like, what? I mean, where are you standing it, on this? It's funny you mention that, Sam, because in the one clip we're going to play later, the larger clip, she totally takes Howard's side in the what we know is the divorce because they're they're on their they're completely on the outs, the jingle ball stuff. And right. when you hear it, it you can absolutely hear her trying to placate and assuage his ego and his sense of you know being her because she knows allison's right in that situation and that he's being a dick but she cannot she's and even gary's going to great pains to say oh you know i wouldn't do that because i know it bothers you not because it's incorrect like i wouldn't do it because it's the wrong thing to do it's gonna bother him so uh, she's f- f- trying to, what, what was it, uh, gate, like, uh, Ablo said, taking his temperature constantly and, uh, trying to figure out how do I stay on his good side? It's almost like playing the game with the narcissist so you don't have to get into their games. So exactly. into their, you know, the way they want to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get, let's get through those, this clip is as, as boring as it is. I can't even begin to tell you. This is a radio station, no less. There it is. So I'm in my room massaging a penthouse pet. You know, it's like, dude. And I've been with the same woman for years. I keep hearing you say that like that's some big deal. I can't wait to start the dance party. I'm ready to move. Why is 20 years the big deal with you? Uh, Well, you know, it's just that, like, I have this endless bevy of women coming around saying they want to have sex with (laughs) me. You know, that that girl Heather and and they're all saying they want to have sex with me. And it's like, that's every dream come true. Ready, guys, with number clip number two, rather. Wig thinks Allison wants other men, which I'm sure is just projection because he wants other men. But or, we can go through it. Or who wouldn't? <laughs> fucking with this Froja who fucking basically dresses like a poser grunge loser. It's incredible. True. You climb into bed. Yeah, I know. I have a woman who loves me. I know. I know. You know that she would be well, there. Well, that's why I'm with her. Regardless. Well, that's why I'm there with but her. But that's not the point. But why it, do you devalue it? Because it's no. I don't devalue it. Otherwise, I'd be cheating. If I devalued it, I'd be a cheater, a guy who goes around I having sex. I think you devalue it even having the desire. Yeah, well, I, I can't help myself. I'm just human. <laughs> and besides, you know, I when... just can't help myself. Right. <laughs> I have these thoughts. I do think about the fact that I could be having sex with other women, and I don't mean just some house frown. How would you feel? Okay, are they going to keep going? That's the 30-second part. If your wife had these problems. Uh, bad. Do you think Allison fantasizes about yes, other guys? I do. No. I do. I'll tell you why. 
Wow, that was fast. Oh, yeah. Morning. We'll have sex once every three weeks. <laughs> so she's got to be thinking about, like, she's, there's got to be a reason she's not that anxious to hop in the sack with me. Now, he's, he throws that on her, but as we're going to hear, she totally turns it on him and says he's not the one initiating it. He's not the one doing it. And, I mean, yeah, if you're with someone 20 years, I can imagine it gets a little fucking stale. Uh, you might be looking for, I don't know, whatever. But, um, again, we, she, she catches him in a lie. Sam? See, I can't um, comment on what I would feel like with somebody 20 years because I've never made it to that mark but i can say being with somebody past five years he seems like he seems like it's um it's something that she's doing but it's not he's lying he's Mm -hmm. tired he wants to go to sleep he needs his he needs his fucking room a certain way he needs it quiet a certain way he doesn't he needs toys to even get her off yeah. I mean, so I I don't understand why he complains about this. Like, like there's not obviously it can be disproven in two seconds, which we'll see. Yeah, he needs his beauty coma. Uh, the next clip is called "Claims He Doesn't Devalue Allison." But before we do, Bob, you'd like to say something? Um, you know, I sort of when I listen to that, I get I get this kind of like manic thing that's going on with him, and I get that there's a paradigm change going on i almost feel like he's saying these things to try to get someone to go like dude you should do that you should go for that like you should start to like it's almost like he's just throwing it out there like hey what do you guys think uh like i've got all these women wanting to like he's throwing out all the justifications that he's probably trying to use in his mind right now to Mm -hmm. cross that line Mm -hmm. of actually having an affair well just like robin said the value you're not valuing the relationship for what it what it should be valued as and he thinks that it's being valued because he's not cheating that's the only that's the only bar set for being mm-hmm. a good person in a relationship for him which is right. nonsense but he could easily justify and I'll, I'm sorry to cut you before like not cut you off but uh, I don't know, cock block you for a second there, uh, Bob. The, uh, the the thing is, he at that point could probably have justified. Well, look, I'm getting blown, but I'm not fucking them. I'm getting massages. Like it's it's not too far uh, to it's to a reach. different area code. <laughs> yeah, for for him to, for him to start saying like, well, to justify that and leading up to absolutely getting fucked by someone else or fucking someone else, and using that as like, well, you know, it uh, it was a natural progression. I could see him totally justifying lesser kinds of cheating, shall we say, if that even is a thing. You know, like the whole Bill Clinton thing, define sex, mm-hmm. um, define relations. Uh, but but at the same time, yeah, you're right, Sam. You can hear in his voice. He's and you, Bob, you're correct as well. You hear him trying to like test the waters. Uh, well, see, let's see if I can throw the buoy out there. Pardon the expression. He's trying to justify the. Mm-hmm. You're right. He's trying to restructure how and what is okay. Yeah, parameters in his, in his marriage. He's trying to restructure the marriage yes, by Bob. throwing oh, it out there. You're right. Yeah, Bob, sorry. One thing, though, that I've brought up a couple times on the past shows, and what was so telling there that rang my bell is there was a very key word used, and it was devaluement. 
and remember that NPD's relationships always go through a cycle of idealization, devaluement, and discard. It always follows that cycle. So here we have Howard starting to enter, at least in a more aggressive fashion, into the devaluement stage. Mm-hmm. So he's really going to make a play here before he takes the leap for abandonment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here we start to have the devaluement start to take place. Oh, she's probably wanting to cheat too. Like just devaluing what they have. She's thinking about other men, blah, blah, blah. Like if you're saying that about, if I, if I were to say that about, you know, my girlfriend, it, it would be sort of saying like, we're not that serious or what we have isn't that special. It's like, oh yeah, she's thinking about other guys and... Sam? Where do... In this devaluement phase, if there's children involved, do someone with NPD even factor this into the equation, or are they just a complete separate entity that are kind of piggybacked on the relationship? Yeah, it's... you. They they just sort of always wind up being neglected, and that is, is from what I normally see. It's just sort of because it's always about them, right? So mm-hmm. they'll they'll justify it in some kind of way. It's just he'll say something. It was just the right thing for us to do. Would have been better for the kids if you know for us to be apart. That that's usually how they'll justify things. But I he probably doesn't care how they feel in this whole matter. Okay, so that just answered my question. So I was going to say, so do you think it even factors in his brain while he's speaking like this, their feelings or how this may futurely affect them if they should so listen to this? <laughs> at their co- at his core, he doesn't. He might worry about how it looks to other people because they always see <sighs> themselves through other people. But mm-hmm. he himself, I would doubt very, I would doubt he cares at all. Yeah. I agree, and the uh, the the fact is, he this is the same guy who, in his own book, uh, talks about how he won't let his wife take a shower and watch the kids in that time because he goes, he says, I hire a fucking army of nursemaids, whatever. I didn't have this agree to have this third kid, uh, you know, if I have to fucking put up with this shit. So there's the father <laughs> of the year. We'll play some of that father stuff a little later too. Clem, and this is ironically enough, clip number three claims he doesn't devalue Allison. Hey, you think she's up to no good? You know, in her mind. Yes. She would like to have sex with other guys. She just can't admit it to herself. Because let's face it, she knows me for what I am. I'm the jerk she married. Wait a minute. I'm the big, ugly gork she married. I right, don't like, believe even you. Even though you've developed you know, your look and your personality. She tells me all the time I look really good, my body looks good, the whole... Now, I, if that's true, Allison's doing that because she knows he's a mess of neuroses and he needs to hear that as validation. Because she knows he looks like shit. But he, this is how you control the narcissist a little bit. Uh, yes, Sam. He still, to this day, in his late 60s, said he earned his look. And he gets upset <laughs> when people have a cool look that yeah. didn't earn it by radio ratings. Like, are you so you earned your look because you were number one on the radio? Or, what the fuck are you talking about? He bought and paid for his look. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's just starting to blame her for whatever he's about to do. Yeah. Is, she should yeah. know. She married this gork or whatever he's called himself. <laughs> this is yeah, on because her. You're right. Like, you were the same person you were at BU when you were, yeah. you know, try, or a camp counselor trying to fuck every... Oh, you were fucking so much you had to get called into the camp office. I mean, come the fuck <laughs> on. 
Okay. <laughs> 20 seconds left. But she doesn't, like, hop on me and go, oh, but she's not a real horny woman anyway. She she's never not really that was. kind of a girl. Yeah, she's no whore. Oh, jeez. I need a whore. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I have seen Allison, and I've I've watched her face when she talks about you. Yeah, yeah, she, she's, she's very high on me. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And she really loves. She talked about me like that when I was a bum. So I, I do, I do value that. I don't devalue. Well, he would only value it in the sense that it feeds his ego, but he doesn't actually take it. He doesn't actually take it. He only takes it seriously insofar as it, insofar that it can help him. But he doesn't actually internalize it. He knows he looks like a piece of shit. Um, Sam. And then we have the Madonna complex where it's you want your wife to be sexual and you want your wife to fuck you, but she's a whore if she likes sex and she's not a whore. So, but I, I want a whore. I mean, yeah, I hate everything about this. <laughs> that is, that is obnoxious. Um, so the next clip, um, number four doesn't like Allison listening to his show. You're not supposed to be listening at this time. I know. I can't. What are you doing? <laughs> I woke up. Turn up the radio. Oh, how? I, I hate when my wife listens to the radio because she monitors it and uh, like. She's and, not a listener. And then now. I come home and I get lectured uh -huh. and it makes me uptight. You know what I mean? And it's just like I don't want to be spied on. Oh my god. She spies on me all, all through the house. She has every freaking radio turned on. She got, listen to this. She's got a trainer now. She works out with weights and stuff. Yeah. The trainer comes over and a hundred percent of the guy's clients work out to music. Right. She has me on. <laughs> and even, and even he's like, y you listen. You listen to me. Does this help you with exercise? How do you exercise Obviously to a talk not. show? How do you exercise to a talk show? It, to me, that sounded a lot like Allison doing the research for when she's eventually going to fucking hand him a divorce, uh, pa you know, divorce papers. Uh, I mean, she's not a stupid. Co she eventually wised up enough to fucking hand him those papers. Sam. Who thinks that uh, listening to their husband's radio show, which is the number spying. one radio show, is spying, unless spying. you're a complete dolt. <laughs> well, I mean, some of it could be shtick, but it's as you get closer to the later years, like the later years of their, their marriage, it's not shtick. Like, he really does not want her hearing that shit, and he expects her not to. Because that is really him. That's really the true, as true as you're going to get from him is going to be on the show. And he's admitted it many, many times. We'll play a couple clips to, you know, support that. Sam. Bob, Bob, what do you think when he says that about, I don't like that you're spying on me by listening? I think it tells me that there's an inauthentic relationship or persona that he's giving her behind closed doors and I think he doesn't want her to start making certain connections I, I could be you know I don't know I could be reaching there but um, they're always trying to hide he still might have her conned even after all those years to a certain degree but um, maybe he doesn't want her making certain connections at this point whether it's devious things he's doing or um, you know, personality flaws that he's been keeping from her, but I'm not really sure. That is a perfect time to break up that clip with the Brian Linehan clip, which we played on an earlier show in which he talks about lying, openly lying to his wife about who and what he is. You're more actor's studio than most of the people we talk about in interview about acting. And that's why when you go home, you go to the basement and you don't want to go out. You look at videos. Well, I, I disagree with one thing that you said. The, the acting occurs 
in my real life, when I'm off mic. I know when I'm on mic, that's the real me. I know it, that's the man that is in my head that wants to get out. And I know that right now you're having an internal dialogue in your head, I'm having an internal dialogue. That's who we really are. And when I get on that mic, I know that's really me. When I go home, when I'm with my boss, when I'm, whatever it is I'm doing the rest of the day, I feel like I'm a hypocrite and a liar. I feel like I'm not telling the truth. I feel like I'm acting there. So if I am a good actor, I'm acting 20 hours a day. It's four hours a day that I'm not. And, and, and that is weird to say, and th that is a dichotomy. In fact, my wife often says I'm living with two different people. And Mary McCormick, who played my wife, said, think about this woman's life. She lives with this one guy. I, I can go on the air, and I can tell my audience that I pleasure myself at night. I then go home to my wife. My wife hears the radio show, and she says, tell me something. Do you really do this at night? Do you pl please yourself sexually? I go, no. No, I don't. I'm lying to her. She goes, but I heard you say on the radio. I go, oh, I was lying to my audience. I go on, now I'm telling the truth to my audience, but I'm play acting in front of my wife. And then it gets weird. If she saw this interview we were doing, she says, wait a second, you just told that guy you do pleasure yourself. Then she said, wait a second, are you, are you doing it? I go, no, honey, I'm not. So it's like we have to hide everything in real life. And that radio show is so liberating and free that that's where, that's where reality is for me. Yes, Sam, you wanted to say. I think, first of all, blown away by that every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. Great job for Brian Linehan, by the way, and that Hail yeah. Mary interview. Yeah. But to Rest save private peace. parts, which uh, didn't. But aside from that, I think that his example of I masturbate and I lie is just a small dichotomy of what really what he was saying is that's just a personification of just like one little fraction of what he's talking about when he says he's one way and how freeing the radio show is and how much he's lying. I think that's just, that's the, the tip of the iceberg of, yeah, that's well, nothing. Well, absolutely. To me, the way I, that sounded to me was that was him coming out of the closet to a fellow gay man. And Brian Linehan was out. Uh, he's uh, long since deceased, but he, um, he, I, I, I don't know that there's any truth to that and Bob will disagree with me, but either way, you can hear him. We did that whole sort of analysis of how he speaks. He can't even finish a sentence in that last 30 or 40 seconds of the clip. He's so befuddled. He's so kind of, he's starting and starting and stopping many sentences, getting to some point, trying to make his point that he lies about everything in his life to his wife about who he is and what he does that Sam's right. Why wouldn't it apply to larger aspects of his personality and larger aspects of, of his life? Um, and doesn't Bob, it seem so oh, deeper? Doesn't it seem so much deeper that how he started that and then it seems like he realized and Brian realized, wow, there's a bigger picture. There's a deeper, um, there's a deeper story here that I'm pulling out right now. And then all of a sudden he reels it back in by giving that non, non story right. about masturbation. Uh, Bob, what do you think about that clip? So I think it goes with, with what I said just prior to it. Um, the thing in, in psychology or the nature of, of either, you know, trying to brainwash someone, trying to brainwash someone you're close to or an audience or friends, the thing about lies is they need to be repetitious. They, it, it's a lot of energy to keep them up. The thing is, is once you start to see the truth and you just see the truth once, it's very potent and you're able to start to connect a lot of dots, you know, like... 
when when Howard would bring Beth out, and it was always you guys have this perfect relationship, this just constant lie. It's, it's like it's literally like a mantra, like a brainwashing mantra. If you look at any I'm kind of social, exactly. But the second that we saw that interview with Keith Ablo's, like that hit home really quick, and that whole thing came down really fast. Yeah. It was, so when you're yeah. when you're trying to maintain a false image with with somebody, or it, it it needs constant lies. And I think maybe he didn't want Allison listening because you'll start to make you'll you'll start to make connections, you know, at, at the house, and then you'll start seeing body language. You'll start noticing certain patterns and um yeah well, Sam. what do you think what do you think though specifically is going on in this exchange where to me it sounds like Fillmore said there is some there is some depth to what he was saying about I think this I think he's telling the complete truth and I what think do you that, think it's a, in reference to? What do you think is this whole the, separate part? The false. Well, it could be, it could be the false self or the the identity that he uses to hide. See, when he's on a microphone, he has plausible deniability through the roof. It's like mm-hmm. when someone's drunk. Oh, I didn't mean that. I was just drunk. When he's on the mic, oh, it's just for the show. It's exactly what he just said in the interview. I can yeah. just say, oh, no, I'm lying to my audience. So, see, they're always looking for an area of plausible deniability at all right. times whenever yep. they're taking any kind of action. I think he's just telling the truth here. I mean, I, I, this is exactly how I think he is. I, mm-hmm. I do think that he's a fraud in real life and on the mic because he has this plausible deniability. That's, that's the real him. Do you think in recent um, shows in, of course, in the bevy of uh, homoerotic nonsense that's happened throughout the years and what (laughs) Fillmore was saying, do you think that there's any credence to that duality that Fillmore had spoken about? That, That he's gay? Yeah, well, like, that maybe that was part of it and that Brian Linehan recognized some sort of like you drew it out of him like you got the tuna in the net you got a dolphin in the net you didn't expect uh in this case you got a cock smoker (laughs) i think when (laughs) howard is i think when he's talking to guys about their dicks or whatever it is the thing that that we continuously point out is he constantly communicates in projection so i think that it's almost like the way we think if, you know, someone won the lottery, we start thinking about all the stuff we would do with the money, right? We start projecting like, oh, I get this car, I quit my job. I think when he sees these attractive men, which he clearly has insecurities with, I mean, and he likes to start fantasizing about what he would do if he was them, <laughs> the way he would exploit people, the way he would. Okay, so you guys are relatively attractive. Do you guys, like, think about how many ways Orlando Bloom's cock can chub up and make you happy? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no. No, because I don't guys, project like that. I don't... Yeah, I mean, guys guys are concerned about self-image, absolutely. They want to look... They might go, I'd love to have the physique of so-and-so, or I'd love yeah. for to have the hairline of so-and-so, but they never go... Man, look at the cock on that guy. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, what, there's no, there's not like you're going to change it. I mean, 
uh, and and you wouldn't ogle, ogle it the way or ogle it the way he he has so clearly done over the years. He's fucking like craving it anyway. Um, let's go into let's keep going because we got a shitload of clips. Number five is lack of sex desire in the marriage and zero communicate. Uh, sorry, zero communication. And this is really important because it it's something that you'll hear in that um, later clip really really in earnest. She, she, oh boy, she runs a tight ship over there, my yeah. wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. But, Allison, you're not that, hor- you're not like a real horny girl. I am, Howard. You're not a horny guy. No, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> by the way, that just jump. got spit right out. Okay. I mean, do things. He's impossible to jump on, first of all. <laughs> no, I'm very, very, I'm, I'm very devoted to my work. Oh, you're fresh. Oh, that's exactly what it is. He's completely immersed in his work or farting. Oh, <laughs> oh farting. In other words, anything he can do to be a complete turnoff at any moment so that she's not even so she's not even interested and he's clearly not interested. Yes, Sam. That response of hers was I haven't been fucked well or even approached to be fucked in so long. That's a response like snap snap, not even a breath. Before he finished his statement, so you know she's not lying, right? Yeah. The turkey, ba- the turkey baster that produced uh, uh, Deb let Ashley was more like effective at pleasing her than him. So they're going to continue with this. It's I don't hard know. to jump, Howard. You got to admit, it's hard to know. jump on some. And then Saturday night, you don't know what I had to go through. He was sort of telling. Me. Yeah, we had a real bad scene in my oh house Saturday my night. God. She said she wants to make love. It was eleven thirty at night. I was exhausted. <laughs> Well, it started off uh, around. What? Who, who is that exhausted if you want to have sex? I'm sorry. That's such bullshit. Uh, well, well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I have, I've, I've fucking turned it down if I was really exhausted, but at that point I'd already be fallen asleep. I didn't even have the energy to turn it down. I just fell asleep at that point. You don't, but, um, you, you just, he's clearly given indications that he, doesn't want it. Just, that's it. That's all there is to it. Bob, do you do mm. you hear anything different in this? I I don't know. Okay. And I was just... But he's a, he's up for belly shaving though. <laughs> belly shaving, amongst other things. I was basically asleep. I had to put in my eye cream. <laughs> oh, you're so attractive. I know. <laughs> and I was laying there, and I go. I, so, so I say to her. I say to her. So do something to me. Get me in the mood. What do you think? Why do I always have to be the initiator? So well, she starts yelling that. at me, you don't That's want it, you, you don't want me, blah, blah, blah. I say, sure, I want you. I say, but, you know, get me in the mood a little bit. No, you don't Do even... something, fiddle around with me. You must have said that in your head. Oh, he never said that? Oh, I swear, he never even said it. No, I, you know what I do. I spread my legs and I, I wait, lay there and wait for you to touch no, me. No, you kept saying to me, And I'm she never so puts her hand tired. down my pants. She says, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. I was, I was exhausted. Sometimes you don't want to make love. Uh, you know what? And and when she tries to be sympathetic, then you say she doesn't want you. Right. Exactly. You, you think about other guys, right? Okay. Now he's oh. trying to. A couple things are going on here. Number one, he's been. He you you believe her when she says he doesn't communicate any of that. He's never he never says that. It's just him saying I'm tired. I'm tired. But then when he starts asking, you, the victim. yes, and you think, oh, you think about other guys thereby, you know, well, if she does it, it's fine for me to think about other, <laughs> other guys or other girls as the case may be other women, shall we say, good girls that sound a little pedo-ish, but no, and I'm saying he, he's trying his best to weasel out of being a responsible person. Exactly. Uh, Bob, does that, yeah, does that, he yeah. He doesn't want the responsibility. What else does he want? He doesn't, 
I don't want to get this going. I don't want to. You get it going. I got my legs open. You get it going. You, you do it. Like, you make it happen. Like, they, he doesn't want to be responsible for anything. He just, why does and he that's have even his a legs lie. Open? Why does he have his legs open? Uh, <laughs> I don't quite Can get that. Can you imagine? I mean, like, what in Christ? First of all, he didn't have his legs open. She's like, you said you were tired. He goes, you know what? You know what I do. I have my legs open. You didn't. You were tired. Oh, yeah, I was so tired. Oh, so you you just lied. You didn't do anything. Clip number six, Allison complains about the extreme amount of effort she needs to get sex from him. I don't know what it was, but it was was intense. (laughs) And I was really going at it. Yeah, but you're all talk. You're unbelievable. What are you talking about? You saw colors. You, You had how many orgasms did you have? Saturday night. No, I'm saying. How many did you have? Come on, brag a little for me. I might have had a couple, but. I might have had a couple. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that sounds convincing. What a piece of shit. Yeah. She had a couple. Might have. Yeah. She had a few. But you put me through. He takes all the. Okay, so anyways, that's. uh, And this is uh, the last bit of that clip, which I think is the last. Second. Second or. I think second last part uh, says he says that Allison, if they got divorced, she would marry a loser and lose all her money if they got divorced. <laughs> oh, my wife! If my wife had to get remarried, she would pick a big loser. Well, Jackie would fit that bill. Oh, that's right. Okay, there you go. How could you say I would pick a big loser? I just know you would just. I just see. I just know. Absolutely not. Just the irritators. So yeah, some guy would swindle her out all her money. <laughs> now listen, like just. That. <laughs> I was going to say, now look, at it's funny in retrospect because she's still married to this guy that she married a year after they got separated or maybe the year they got um, divorced, uh, not even that long. It was pretty quick after the uh, separation. And um, he, <laughs> meanwhile, picked up with a fucking bimba, as she talks about later. He was mm. successful, and his name was David Simon, and he was successful before Allison's divorce settlement long mm-hmm. before. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so you can, you, you, what did you hear in that particular first bit, Bob? It's only 20 seconds in, but. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't get a ton out of it. I just think that that's a really bizarre thing to say to your wife. Like, it sort of reminds me of the abandonment talk. Like, if you left me, you just pick a fucking zero and <laughs> you'd have nothing. So you got to stay with. You know, exactly. Making okay. it easier, trying to make it easier for her to decide to stay in the sort of abusive relationship she's in now, mentally abusive. Exactly. Yeah. I get the, I, as a girl, just hear how awful the sex is. Like, just fucking, <laughs> uh, tell, uh, tell, come on, how good, tell everyone how good it is. Uh, I might have had, um, uh, couple. It sounds yeah. fucking terrible. Yeah, well, you can imagine. You could, could you imagine getting wet for him? I know it. Oh. My poor kids. And you constantly be there propping him up. Huh? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I, if I got a divorce from Allison, within two weeks I'll corrupt this whole show because I would be throwing parties. Oh God, Mr. So. Mr. So- oh. Yeah, like the Goo Goo Dolls da- gay dance party. <laughs> yeah. How was that magic show at your New Year's Eve party where everyone had to leave at midnight? <laughs> Loser. <laughs> and they were bored. Abracadabra. Poof. Everyone get the fuck out of get here. Get the fuck out. Exactly. Oh, I'd be Mr. This is why I'm saying he's he's in a dream world, and all those guys who dump their girls thinking he's going to have a party every week are going to be sadly. Ronnie already told me he'd divorce his wife. Sure. 
Okay, so there's uh, the the next clip we're going to play is um, uh, uh, Wig makes Allison cry on the way to a concert. So this is about the Rainforest concert. Um, I think also '97. I'm not a hundred percent sure. And the kids are he he's made her fucking weep in the house to the point where she's clearly been seen like composing herself or what have you, and then arguing on the way in the, like a limo ride all the way to a concert to meet people. And they're late getting there. Yes, Sam, you wanted to say, is this the one, uh, the rainforest concert where like Trudy stings wife made that like pretentious speech. Oh, possibly. I I think sting was definitely there. I mean, that rainforest, that, that, that fucking alarm bells just go off every vegan musician, uh, you know, like (laughs) any DeFranco, if she was of age, then she would have played at this piece of shit concert. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, like there would be no testosterone at this fucking concert. There wouldn't be a single electric guitar at this concert. <laughs> so, uh, so let's see, uh, Jackson Brown probably, <laughs> like things that make you just lose your heart on instantly. <laughs> fucking so, armpit hair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like not a not a fucking shoe in the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like Birkenstocks is more cork than a fucking wine cellar. <laughs> Anyway, so it's a two and a half minute clip, so we will have to stop it. It's it's part of a longer clip, but not a very long clip to begin with. I don't know. We just got. You know what it is? I didn't want to go to the rainforest concert in the first place. Oh. So that's why I was irritable, and I didn't want to get dressed up. I hate getting dressed up, and I know it seems trivial, but you get into the fights over trivial things. And uh, well, it was real ugly. Couldn't even have a good time at that lovely affair. Oh. Okay, yes, Sam. I hate getting dressed up, yet I hired this grifter with <laughs> with fucking tooth decay and underage to style me. Parking lot attendant from Jersey, Bridge and Tunnel, half a fag from New Jersey. I hate getting dressed up. <laughs> and it was a real good concert. I was shocked how good it was. I told you. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I had a really good time. night. So we go to the Rainforest concert, and... Uh, we were fighting all the way there, and you know. In the car? No, no, in the car we shut up because we were in front of the driver. I see. But we didn't really know, and it's not comfortable fighting in front of a guy you don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm like, shh, shh, shh. I wonder where the hell was Ronnie when this was going on. If he, he if he doesn't know this person, last minute, I suppose Ronnie was probably at scores going. Yeah, there go ahead. Bob's point, right? About what? you only care about what people see. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep going. And here we're fighting. So. I mean, do you sit next to each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. She was crying right into the car, and the kids were yelling at me because, well, yeah, she was all upset with me because I was being particularly vicious. You mean she's really tears? We're coming out of well, eyes? if 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 I said the things to you, I can make you cry in three seconds. Okay, yes, Sam. Bob, what are some of the more vicious things NPD people do that may might be different than, I don't know, how regular people fight. They, they, they just, they don't play by the rules. They've already mapped out. They're already thinking about your vulnerabilities and what can hurt you before you even realize, like, I didn't even know we, you know, we had a problem or that that was on the table. It's mm-hmm. almost like they have a full game plan. And you'll see that with him time and time again, like 
when when he'll bring someone in the studio or he, when he got Allison, you know, we'll hear later to talk about the jingle ball or they've just they build a whole case against you. And before you even know what, what hits you, it's like you, you just you're racked over the coals and they're usually valid points, which makes it hurt even more. So I think that our uh, Ablo in the um, the clip we'll play with when we get into the Beth segment anyway. Uh, he makes a mention of armaments. Like uh, Howard's already got like an arsenal of shit in his mm-hmm. in his in his in his duster, waiting to just fucking haul off and shoot anytime he needs to. Which yeah. means that Ablo's more he, he he knows the score before he goes in there, saying like, "Okay, so this is a guy that he he if he's NPD, he's got all this shit in his head, waiting to unfurl it at a moment's notice, like ninja fucking stars, anytime he needs to." And it doesn't matter that it's irrelevant to that situation in that context. He's just going to throw it at you, like, "Oh, by the way, your father's a fucking felon. He's a yep. he's an he was a hack dentist and for, committed fraud." You know, okay. and I, 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 married, I got you know I took you from a life of nothingness in Pittsburgh, and now you're with me. So fuck you. Go ahead, yeah. something like that. You know, what I mean? they might even oh, I mean, even worse than that. You know, things that uh, maybe she confided in him. Sure. You know, like a serious moment. They'll do. Shit I have like herpes. <laughs> no, Ellie Claire. <laughs> Like she'll say, some, yeah, maybe some about her dad's crime, and then he'll just and he'll know that that hurt her, you know, and he'll just bring it up flippantly, and, and it's like because that she knows makes that me he happy knows shit. Sorry, Sam. What, what was that, sorry, Bob? Because she knows that he knows how much that hurt her. It almost adds to you know, and I'm, this is just a hypothetical example, but this is how they communicate. It's like, I know that that was a big deal for you, and I brought it up at this moment, like, and you're, you're like, I didn't even know you were gathering that to use against me. Like, they're, they're always gathering. They're always gathering information. They're always thinking of how they can use something against somebody at all times. In the future. And they're yeah. always, always listening. They're always yeah. listening. Sam. This is... This just occurred to me while you were saying they're always gathering, they're always using. And he said, first thing, crying into the car, the kids saw. Do you, this just like hit me. Do you think it was purposeful that he made her cry in front of the kids? Definitely. Whatever he said, because she seems like a pretty tough person. She seems pretty extroverted, pretty, you know, New York. Um, just in her, just listening to her speak over the radio. So whatever he said was probably pretty hurtful, you know, mm-hmm. um, and deliberate. So, and he seems to pride himself on it. I don't, I don't know many guys that I would consider masculine, right. respectful that tell me how vicious they were towards their wives. I mean, that's not a very, uh, masculine thing that he seems to be taking this pride in but pride in yeah absolutely uh so let's continue with the clip oh i don't think so oh. <laughs> oh i think we might both be crying i could i could just pick apart whatever your worst fears are and then just keep going oh, i can go back at you i don't know i don't know i can cut pretty deep oh well we'll be slashing when i've never done it to you he doesn't fight the way you do huh? i've never done it to you i've always been kind to you but she hasn't learned to i mean you've been living with her for a long time you think she'd learn some tactics no no you don't win against me you just don't (laughs) and you're gonna inflict some heavy damage though so you don't come back i've yet to meet the person that can beat me in a fight a verbal fight fist fight pelican Fight anyone can beat me. <laughs> well, that fight should have been on pay per view. It was better than the uh, Butterfuco Geraldo fight. 
up. You were going to say, bub. Well, it's funny that you said that Pelican thing because Artie was a guy who on air a couple of times brought up that, hey, I told you stuff in confidence and you just fucking brought it up on the air like it was nothing. And Howard's mm-hmm. like, oh, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you do. You're ma-, which is gaslighting, of course. You know how yeah. hard remember. We remember when people confide in us if it's something serious, especially someone as problematic as Artie was. Um, but yeah, he he brought that up a couple times. That, oh yeah, that Howard had used things that he told him in con- confidence. And uh, for Artie to remember, that even tells you more. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, for Artie well, to remember that he said this is confidential, do you yeah. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Especially, especially when so much was totally on the table that that and that's and that's probably why it would stick out. He would say like, "Look, I don't want this is between me and you." And I thought we mm-hmm. understood that this is not something for the fucking air. Otherwise, I'd be on mic when I said it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it would have been the Dana stuff. Oh my goodness! So yeah, we were going at a pretty had good. Her in tears. Yeah, well, yeah, that wouldn't be the first time. Now, Robin sounds delighted, by the way. Does he, he, he get the sense that she cares one lick that Allison was upset? It just, I mean, she might sound a little sort of surprised, but it doesn't sound like she's on Team Allison at, in the slightest. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, Sam? This sounds like um, the way she says this and the way yeah, I had her in tears. Oh, you had her in tears? It sounds like... um a building of a narrative. It sounds like a building of a story, like a climactic thing in a, almost like it's not planned, but probably talked about that this happened beforehand and how the story is being unveiled. It sounds gleeful because they probably already discussed. This is what happened. We're going to discuss it Mm -hmm. and how she's, how they're laying the bricks down. You're right. Sounds gleeful. Much, much like the, uh, well, hold on, Ralph, you're not supposed to come in yet. You left condoms mm-hmm. in my, you're the, they tell them the condom story in the private parts trailer and how it sounds so manufactured. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're just horrible at acting. We know this mm-hmm. from watching the movie, but it, even the voices, they sound, they don't sound genuine in this no. case. Yeah. It could be that, or it could be her trying to like, I don't know, make light of it. I have no idea. Oh, I'm always man. doing that. Yeah. Sam. Bob, can you tell with people from NPD, they're genuine, well, they're never genuine, so that's a, but can you tell when they're, uh, I guess, if even although they're always disingenuous in some ways, can you tell when they're sometimes more disingenuous? Can you, can you separate their lies? Can you, are there triggers in their voice? Is there tells? That are different than other liars. <laughs> Their lips they, move. <laughs> they they tend to yeah they tend to have sort of a jovial or inauthentic where it's almost like things are too positive and things are too. I I don't really know how to describe it, but like things just don't add up. Like when you hear about some some kinds of depressive tendencies, but when you see them, they're sort of overly jovial or. They're trying to act um, very charitable um, or, or just positive. They're usually like overly positive, like inauthentically positive. I've seen a lot. Um, I don't know that that's a tell, but I've seen them just assume entire other identities like that. 
so let's play the rest of this clip, and then we're going to try to mix it up a little bit. I never knew that. Yeah, we, we, you know, we have our fights. But you never said tears. Yeah, well, it was a bad fight. I told you it was the worst fight we ever had. Ooh, and the kids saw that? No, they didn't see the fight, but they saw Mommy come downstairs a little shook up. She was a little punch drunk. <laughs> she was a little wobbly. You don't think they could hear? She was a little wobbly when she... Now, he's not entirely... He's not Thai. He's not laughing and smiling because he thinks... Uh, he, he He's nervous about it or he thinks... He's, he's giddy about it. He's giddy about the fact that he inflicted this fucking... This whore... Like, mm-hmm. he inflicted this roundhouse on his wife and wailed mm-hmm. on her emotionally, like verbally... Mm-hmm. Uh, for minutes at a time and just reduced her to nothingness. He takes fucking clear pleasure out of it. That is not the, that's not the laugh of someone who knows he did something bad. That's the pride, the profound pride of someone in a job well done, according to his demented fucking standards. Uh, Am I, am am I, anybody want to take me to task on that? No, I feel like welled up from hearing that, to be honest with you. Like I cannot believe how like a woman must feel that they have to come down the stairs after that emotional abuse in front of their children. And then they have to pretend at a concert to be okay for their husband's sake. And then the next day he has the nerve to get on the air and gleefully talk about how he inflicted this pain on her. Yeah, he kind of what tosses a it. scumbag piece he, of shit. He tosses it off like, yeah, you know, I fucking, I railed into her, and <laughs> it was, you know, she was crying, you know, the kids, you know, kids saw this, and like, I can't even imagine laughing about it because it, first of all, it's it, it's draining. If you ever had a fight with your significant other, I mean, at the end, you just feel like you got hit by a Mack truck. Even if you're the, if you're involved, like if you're the, if you started it, or if you're the recipient, either way, you feel like. It's, 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 um, it takes effort. I mean, it's not, for him, it sounds like it took no effort and the way he explains it, it's like, yeah, no problem. You know, uh, you know, so this person, uh, designed a building. I fucking tore this person apart. I have never gotten to a fight with somebody I love and come out of it emotionally hurt or maybe inflicting hurt. And that is my reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, it seems a little beyond the pale. Bob, that's the lack of empathy, mm-hmm. and he, he didn't. He couldn't even empathize with his own children. No, and we're gonna play well, some kid little, clips. She's a little punch drunk when they when when they saw her. Like, dude, what do you? You just fucking traumatize your kid, right? Like, what, and what and what does he give a fuck? He he doesn't care at all. He right. seems to have yeah. really enjoyed it. Proud yeah. of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so then the kids were all upset, and, and then you know, and then I just said, no, 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 it's okay. And we told the kids it was okay. Set up, or I'll punch you. <laughs> no, I would never say it to the kids. Oh, so good, then, Robin. Ha ha yeah. ha! You fucking cow. Well, she's well, she's right she's she she's com- she's completely at this point. She's in his pocket, and it's stuff mm-hmm. like this. And you'll hear later that makes me think the problem she had with Emily, which was talked about at Sirius um, year, many, many years later that Emily wrote her off basically was most likely about something Allison related. Like um, 
or Beth related, spouse related, you know, basically don't, don't talk to, talk to me about my father, whatever. Cause they never get into detail, but it was clear that Emily wrote Robin off and Robin was like, yeah, that's eh, a bridge that'll never, you know, be, you know, brought back. I'm sure she, she stuck her nose in some fucking family business that she had no business talking about it. And mm-hmm. I, and Emily said, well, fuck you. This is not, you're not my mother and don't talk about this and that, whatever. I'm sure that's exactly what it was. Sam. Well, I hope whatever guitar him she comes up with next on YouTube <laughs> that it's about <laughs> this fucking cackling nothing. Yeah, absolutely. We got it. You know, we got to the rainforest. <laughs> we went to save the rainforest. You rain had forest. the rainforest in your house. Yeah. So we're going to go into some of the kid clips because they are extraordinary. Um, before we go into uh, this one is called. Um, uh, sorry, 9B, bitches, he bitches about being the breadwinner. And it was about, uh, I think the context was the kids who were making long-distance calls. This is when he's making like a million, over a million a year easily. Um, and he's saying, oh, they're, they're calling China and help me pay the fucking bills. Um, go ahead, Sam. There is nothing, and these ones bother me, I think, probably the most. Because um, there is nothing more handicapped of a feeling when you're a new mother or a mother and your job is to raise children yeah and because childcare is so expensive so this becomes your job it is or you work part-time and then you split the time with working and raising a child Mm -hmm. and then the person you're with thinks you're nothing because you don't bring home any money, even though the reason you're not bringing home money is because you are watching and raising the children you have together. Well, that's, it's absolutely so demeaning and frustrating to listen to this. Well, yes, especially when you hear over, you just hear it in his voice. The kids are accessories. They're incidental. They happen to, they're like furniture. They happen to be in the house. Mm-hmm. And he's spending his time, you know, fucking jerking off to AOL gay chat rooms or whatever. And um, and, and the fact is, he, I mean, we'll play clips. You'll hear it. This is one of them. Do my kids deserve to call 609 area code and bankrupt me? No, I'm not buying into that premise. No, I'm talking about the premise that she deserves half. That's only a premise, too. I don't buy into that either. Oh, oh believe me, I don't. Oh, believe me, I don't buy into that. But the courts say that. Well, yeah, they got some laws behind that I know. That one. I say that like a robot says it. You get half. Yeah, half, half, half. Yeah, but you said, I know you deserve half. Yeah, right. well, you know, look, you want the honest opinion? I don't believe anybody deserves half of what I earn. I certainly don't. Because I swear to God, I'm the one, you know, I'm the one sitting here busting my balls and my health goes every couple of weeks because I'm, I'm up so damn early in the morning and stressing out over all this crap. He does nothing and he'll get, there's another clip I'll find later on when we take a break and I'll get it because I know I have it where he bullshits Allison by telling her, look, I, I say I'm working, but all I'm doing is watching TV. It's such bullshit. <laughs> you know, or no, he says it at well years later. It's not during the time. That's why it's even more reprehensible. Sam, you wanted to say. I'm not one of those women who believe that just because you were accustomed to some certain lifestyle because your husband provided it for you and say your children are grown, that you Mm. get to maintain that type of lifestyle once the relationship is over during a certain point. Mm -hmm. If you're capable of making a living and your children are grown and their school is paid for and their um, medical is paid for and they can support themselves, you don't deserve half. Sorry, that's just my personal Mm. belief. 
But in this case, are you kidding me right now? You have yeah. three young children at home. You're talking for a living early, late. Who gives a shit? You sit yeah. in a chair and you talk and you make a show. You're creative. It takes some sort of mental capacity and energy. Fine. Your wife is an educated woman and a, what was it? A psychologist therapy? What, what did she graduate uh, in? Some um, sort I of, thought was, I thought it was social work initially. And then, and then uh, she did get her MA or she might've even got her PhD, but she definitely did psychology. She studied or psych, psych I think psychology. Um, so, so what happens a lot of times is women put their careers on the back burners because you want to have a family and then the family becomes a burden because you're the one working and you're sitting home with the kids and they're saying, oh, you're not earning. Yeah. Bob? Yeah, there, there was definitely, you know, in a scenario like that, when someone does make a sacrifice, when there was, um, you know, a reasonable expectation that they would have had a career and made significant money, I do think that that should be a factor. But all of this just makes me think of a um, saying that I heard a long time ago, and it's, narcissists hit you and say, ow. And this is what it, this is the relationship with them. They want to be the child. They want to be the parent. They want to pay for everything to hold it over your head. Then they resent you for them paying for it. They want it's you to stay very martyr-like, right? Oh, they're, they're complete martyrs. Yeah, they're victims. They're professional victims about everything. They're just really, they're deeply unhappy people. And they're going to find, you know, on both sides of the coin, some way to be unhappy. So... There is, there's, I'm going to bring it up just quickly because, um, we're talking about the, it, it has to, it, 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 I thought about it, the Emily Stern, New York post article that Dory Lewak wrote, uh, from 2015, where he, she writes down, um, uh, she explains, she muses that her mom's reentry into the working world might've been the straw that broke Howard's back. Maybe mm -hmm. he couldn't handle it when she went back to work as a psychoanalyst, which I found wow. amazing, like fa fascinating in in the just in the opinion that uh, just the idea that he went she went back to do something he's now taking like he, he's now going to psychiatry and mm -hmm. and did marriage counseling and, and then leading to uh, psychoanalysis but um it's almost like oh god now she knows exactly what the fuck I'm doing like now she knows what I'm about she knows too much you know what mm -hmm. i mean yeah. Can, Sam. can you read can you read the quote in that article about what Emily said about he him being a narcissist just since that's up already? Yeah, um I uh, just uh, hold on uh, stern. I'll get it real quick. Okay. Uh yeah, it was right under that actually. Uh, da, da, da. Okay. My dad always instilled in us everyone's sorry, everybody's watching you she recalls. While Howard quote always said it was for our protection, she attributes his warning to Warnings to narcissism. I was alone. The belief that we were so different made it unhealthy, she says. Maybe because he was disconnected from the world, he experienced so much shame about who he was. And uh, it's, it's, wow. it's amazing that his own daughter, who, and by the way, this, this eventually, this, the whole and New York Post uh, chronicle was fascinating because she had an exhibit that she immediately canceled Oh, like in the following week after this article came out, which you know was him saying, listen, you little fucking trust fund cunt. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to cancel that fucking stupid exhibit with your shitty photos. And, um, and you're going to, otherwise I'm cutting the checks. 
I'm, I'm, that's going to stop. Mm-hmm. And he was pissed, but he never sued that, that author who we tried to contact years ago to try to get in for an interview. And she must've had it on tape because he never sued. And anytime something like that gets released, yep. uh, and he doesn't sue, you know, it's true <coughs> and they must have it recorded. Uh, and she's got the proof. Yeah, absolutely. So then he'll do whatever clandestine fuckery he can do behind the scenes to hurt that person. Like he did to Adam Levy when he got him fired from, um, radar online or, uh, you know, or hindered his job. I don't know this for a fact. I'm saying uh, Jake Bronstein from FHM. Jake Bronstein from FHM for very for the stupidest fucking reason, and um, it's it's just it's it's obvious. I mean, at one point, <laughs> the guy was working for this publication, releases something, and then now he's no longer working for them, and it's no there's no explanation. There's no you know it's mm-hmm. all bullshit. Anyway, so let's continue with that one. Yeah, when yeah. I fall out of bed in the morning, I know it's just me. Yeah, ain't nobody else helping me. <laughs> I know, and I know they go, well, you know, your wife made the house nice. And I'll tell you the truth, my house isn't that nice. I don't <laughs> have food there that uh, I enjoy. I don't, I don't know what accoutrements I'm getting. <laughs> fucking, what a fucking cunt. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. He... You know, and we'll we'll play a couple more of these. I want to play this one, even though we did it before. Sam, you remember the um, wrap-up show clip from the 15 Foundation part where um, Robin talks about him locking Allison and Emily out of in Oh, Harlem? I love this. But by okay. the way, I should have gotten, like, a stress ball or a punching bag for this because I <laughs> fucking, this little <laughs> cunt, this fucking cunt he is. So the next clip I'm going to play, guys, is uh, one we I thought we had played on our own show, but it might have been the Carson show that we had done at the old place. And it it's you'll just play it for you. You you you'll have to hear it for yourself. Uh, I'm not even going to promo it. <laughs> and that was his reaction. My other favorite story is the time that NBC had that picnic. Right. Yes. And all of the staff went to this picnic, and it was out in, I don't even remember, it was in the Bronx in in a park somewhere, and everybody was afraid to go there in the first place because it was the Bronx, and we went, and it was fine, and then, uh, you know, Howard was married at the time, and, and Emily was, you know, a toddler, you know, had just been potty trained. Okay, so just to, I think I mentioned it in the first half, guys, um, about this is during the, this is a wrap-up show, obviously, but it's from the 15 Foundation era, so 2010, just so everybody knows. And we go back to the car. We'd all come together, so we go back to the car, and Emily says she needs to use the bathroom, and they have this little potty chair in the trunk of the car. So she's using the potty chair in the trunk of the car. We're all standing outside of the car. All of a sudden, we hear someone say, Howard, Howard, Howard. Howard jumped into the car and locked all the doors. (laughs) His wife, his child, me, and Fred are outside of the car. (laughs) Take the kid on the potty. I'm safe. (laughs) Stood guard, so she was actually able to finish. (laughs) And he was just like, I'm the most important one here. (laughs) Ralph Sorello, you're on the wrap-up show. (laughs) What a pussy. So he's actually locked in the car, so if something did happen, you guys couldn't even get in the car to be safe. Right, because right, he locked us out. The most, the most important person was taken care of. <laughs> Protect the president. Now, they're laughing at it because they have to. It's the only way to deal with that. But that's well, Fred in there. That's Bowie. That's Ralph on the, on the line, obviously. And Will is in there laughing. Can you imagine? 
I think they're I think they're able to let their hair down a little bit because Howard's not there to spin oh, yeah. it to really come down on them and they're just like, Yeah, is this guy a fucking pussy or what? You know, like it's how it is when I, I've had that happen when bosses leave or, you know, big shot guys will be in the room and they'll go they'll just be like, What a fucking idiot and like I this is I'm sure they all think that about them. Oh yeah. You know? So the next that clip came it, flying oh, out of Ralph's mouth, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seconds. That's the guy who fucking picks out and washes your underwear is saying you're a pussy within point five seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the number next clip is called Allison starting to voice her frustrations more on the air, and um, this is again closer to divorce time, guys. Oh boy, what's the matter, baby? You got jealous? Yeah, that girl was under the console giving me a good massage. Oh, my God. You know... Felt good. It's like enough already. No, it's not. That's just the beginning. It's I have to have that. It's enough already for me. I am so aroused now. Oh, God. Oh. I am so aroused. I'm ready. Oh, God. Sam, you wanted to say... Bye. Fuck you. You're so ready. I'm ready to take half and spill yeah. it all. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine the lawyers like recording all this shit for the for the eventual like uh here you here you go your honor and then Howard's lawyer is going blank check just take what you want just say what you want yeah go this ahead, is the only for Allison's position that I'm like good for you I mean I couldn't imagine staying with this sack of shit for so long that no. she actually. Every single dime for anyone who says she doesn't deserve this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Come, yeah. Home. Come home. Come home. What's going to happen there? She's going to beat the crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to cut it off. <laughs> yeah. No, don't get jealous. It's just like, you know what? You know what it is? Howard, I'm not jealous. I'm nauseous. I've become a sex symbol. I'm nauseous. Girls love me. Howard. I can't help it. And you want to know something? I've been with Allison now. 19 years. Well, that was your marriage. You've had 19 years. Four years. Three and a half. Three and a half. I met her when I was 19 years old. 22 and a half years. And I want to have, se- I want to have sex. But I love my wife. Don't get me wrong. If anybody's No, you don't want to have sex. Excuse me. She's the mother of my children. She's the mother of my children. That's, that's the only worth. Okay. And it's not really. And that's, he just says that like a throwaway. That's like reading a Bazooka Joe rapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to that. Yes, Sam. I'm the mo- she's the mother of my children. Madonna complex thing, which I already yeah. mentioned. So that's going yeah. around again. And yeah. the fact that she maybe has a nanny Alma or whatever, but she's not paying for three kids in daycare. So that's a big cost cut too, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Bob? I think now he, we're in the abandonment phase, <clears throat> the next phase where he's just flagrantly doing this stuff and he's going, hey, I'm not accountable for anything that I do. I'm right. a sex symbol now. Like now, he's not beating around the bush, teasing it. Now it's just, hey, this is the way shit is. I got a massage. Like he's like almost tempting her to leave at this point. Yeah, um, Sam. Bob, there was this article I read in uh, actually 2020 Psychology Today magazine, and basically, it said that there's this mark or point where the shift of the honeymoon phase goes into this uh, tailspin. So what do you think is the mark or the cut um, that is the decline of Howard's and Allison's relationship, if just from an outsider's perspective speculation? Hmm. 
Well, what I kind of believe from an outsider's perspective was one thing <clears throat> that I shared with you guys on our Facebook chat was that I think when Howard was filming his movie and he was getting raw, uncut, high-grade narcissistic supply, which was constant pampering, constant attention, constant admiration. Yep. I think that that started to send him into a mania, where it's like, imagine going from making $10 million a year to making $10,000 a year within a couple weeks. Like, your brain, after you get that taste for that $10 million, you've already been exposed to something that you're never going to come back from. So I think when Howard was in that sort of... I think he started to go into a mania, personally. When, when you hear him describe when they were making that movie, and he's just, oh, don't, wasn't it wonderful? And a lot of movie stars are like, yeah, it's fine, you know, I, I'm kind of used to it. He just gloats about it. I think he went into a manic episode, and that's where he started to take certain steps of having, you know, affairs. And I think once he got that taste of just pure, uncut, narcissistic supply, which is like meth to them, I just think that that was the beginning of the end for him and Allison because he's just not going to go back to that lifestyle, you know. Beginning, beginning of the end or the tipping point? Um, I definitely would say it was a tipping point. Yeah, a tipping point. The the yeah. the, the point yeah. of no return, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, because yeah, you're right, and he and since then is still a, one of the fucking top ten bingo card questions you, you you can you can get from any interview. You know, what's a isn't it the biggest aphrodisiac? You know, to fall in love. You know, don't you fall in, find it difficult to fall in love with your coworker in a movie? And you know, it's being on the movie set is such an aphrodisiac. And you know, they treat you like you're in the womb. And I always want to go back in the womb. Yeah, Bob. So what happens to people when they're in manic episodes? Mm -hmm. They become really sexually active, and they have really? just voracious libidos. Yeah, interesting. Wow, mm -hmm. I never knew. I never knew that. I'm gonna have to can, hit. Say, I'm can gonna you, hit some narcissistic personality. By the way, support besides the, the fact that I really, um, I think that's a really interesting answer, and definitely could marinate on that and think about a lot of other. Um, springboard questions from that but i do now that you said that uh libido um anecdote what do you do you think he's ever had another manic episode that might have resulted in another excessive libido um mania hmm. um <clears throat> i think he's chased that mania i think he's chased it through trying to get on these various um uh, shows, I think AGT might have been his best ploy at recapturing that mania because it is like a drug, right? So when they talk about when people get that initial first hit, they're they're chasing the dragon or they're trying to recapture that hit. So I think that when he did that, it sort of started this process of him saying, I need to return to that plateau. I need to return to that $10 million a year. So he's been chasing that ever since. And like other drug addicts, when they're chasing that, they tend to tailspin out, make a lot of bad moves um, that ultimately hurt their reputation. So I don't know that he ever really has another has had a similar episode to that since the movie. That would have been that would have been the biggest sort of um, stroke, shall we say, 
um, mm-hmm. even even in you know decades later, because a movie is not the same is a, a big budget movie, and even that one like pretty heavily sized budget for a film of that nature. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. even adjusting for inflation, it doesn't matter. It was a lot of money It's way more than any TV show, way more than any podcast, whatever, or even the money he's getting at serious, whatever people think it is, or even if it's less now, even at that, his height, he'd have to go back to that. So the first serious contract would have been the next sort of big thing like that. Yes, Sam. But interesting that you said the AGT thing would be a recapturing of that mania so he didn't recapture that mania, hence mm-hmm. the getting things done, the Marcy Turk edict, the right. implementing of he almost, if you think about it, now that I, I'm just having this um epiphany, that sort of um recapturing of the mania resulted in him trying to make his staff on the radio show become that that womb of private yeah surrogate yeah it his this stuff just when i hear him describe his time on that i've never heard anyone talk about this just and it wasn't it just the greatest thing and you get pampered i mean again that that was one of the first things that sort of tipped me off to him having npd because it it just didn't seem to like be relative you know it's just like I've never really heard anyone else talk about being on a movie set like that, you know? I think originally you could chalk it up to, okay, I've never actually been on a movie this big. Mm -hmm. I've never, you know, it's my first, it's my first experience. So I think you could, that you could write it off as that and be content with that. But then when he refuses to stop bringing it up constantly, Mm -hmm. like it's almost, it's almost as if it's a compulsion. Uh, That was me going back to my mother's fucking box and getting sucked by my mother, you know, get suckled by my mother. And he seems to be chasing that endlessly. Mm-hmm. It's sort of mm-hmm. the epitome of never actually having to make a creative or command decision yourself. Everything's done for you. All you gotta do is show up. They'll drive you. They'll feed you. They'll fucking clothe you. They'll measure you. They'll fucking clean out your shit. You can shit where you like, piss where you like. We don't care. We'll build it. Because they built a studio for him in the city. And that's where he, his fuck pad Grillo went on about that at some point in different uh, interviews over the years. And then you take it to, well, he thought AGT. It's going to be just like it was for private parts. And it was somewhat not exactly the same he's not recapturing that same first high so what mm-hmm. does he do he berates his staff beyond belief to make it so he can try to recapture some of that high i believe well, also what's the difference? i mean there's multiple factors not just that but i think that yeah that's a lot to do with the fact that the agt high wasn't what he That's thought good. it was going to be. Yeah, it wasn't. He, comm- it wasn't commensurate. He wasn't the star of it, and there were other people that were bigger stars that have gone on. I think that's part of the reason why he resents Simon Cowell, because I think that that's ultimately what he wanted, and he wanted to be the ultimate star. Mm-hmm. And when he was on Private Parts, it was a movie about him. I mean, it was yeah. his life. Right. He's gonna be. It, it's about the most narcissistic drug <laughs> i think anyone could ever get a movie about you that you had say over that you star in um 
That's a lie. So, based on your bullshit <laughs> book. Which is, again, part of narcissism, right? He sold yeah. us the, the, uh, the story or the false self. But yeah, I think that that show, because he ultimately wasn't the star, I think he kind of resented that. I don't think it quite hit that fix that he wanted from the movie that he it's, got from when he did the movie. It's actually a good thing you bring that up, Sam, because that didn't even occur to me that, that the timing, because he, it was May of 2012. Summit, uh-huh. was the, Summit was the following year, like whatever, so seven months later, I guess, or eight months later, if you want to get technical. And uh, you're right. He, it's, not the, it's not a breakthrough. The ratings are not proving that he's Simon Cowell, who owns the fuck, who co-owns the fucking show. <laughs> and has a co-creator credit, as far as I know. He's like a producer. So he doesn't have the leverage, and it's not about him. And someone said, you, he'd have to be a fucking narcissist. This was on the old channel. Because look how many times he got up on the fucking stage. How often did you see Nick Cannon on stage? How often did you see Heidi Klum on stage? How often did you mm-hmm. see the other, the other ones, or Simon Cowell for that matter, going up on stage? He never had to. Never. He brought in ratings sitting on his ass just saying yay or nay. Um, Sam, up a lot, not know. to yeah. mention the fact he was the rookie on the show, was mm-hmm. getting paid a boatload, but Shitload. then resented the else. fact that all the people who were on the show had families or children on set or they hung out together. He resented right. that. It, 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 it was very bizarre behavior. And they tried every bullshit way to make it like to bring in his audience. They had Ben appear on one show and uh, like as a walk on, don't be stupid, you moron. It was like a play, it was played as a bumper, but it was clearly something that fell flat because it didn't have any. No one cared. His yeah. audience no, wouldn't. Children really don't care. know who Ben Stern is. No, they don't. So it was just sort of it was like a fish flopping. I use this analogy a couple times now. And the last summit, the last episode, which will be appearing this Sunday, um, he he he. It's almost like desperation, abject desperation. Let's see what I can make a hit. Let's see if I can make this viral in the year in the era of now. How do you make this viral? And some things you can't control. So mm-hmm. in this one, he absolutely couldn't, as much as he tried. Mm-hmm. So it's a good point, mm-hmm. Sam. I, I, I like that one. Uh, let's continue with this clip because there's only about a half a minute left. No, I don't know that this means you love your wife. Oh. You don't have sex I agree, with other Robin. People. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like nauseous from this. I believe sex and love are two different things. No, they are not. Really? <laughs> not in your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, if you want to play that, fine with me. Let me go. Let me be free. Oh, you would cry so much. That's the only problem. She would be so hurt. Oh, oh, oh let her go. She's saying it. This is really okay, honey. You're free. <laughs> Jackie oh, wants you. Geez. Jackie's first online. Uh, better stay with Holly. <laughs> There's your treat. Jackie, I love you. Okay. Yes, yeah, Sam. Listen to this emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> also, he's throwing it on her. You leave. I'm not going to make the decision. You be the one to leave. It's going to be your responsibility. I'm not my fault. It's on you. You left me. Right. And so fuck you. Fuck you for leaving me. Even if I gave you the fucking slide and greased up the fucking slide and pushed you out the door and knocked you out while you're going down the slide and provided the fucking, you know, the landing pad for you when you finally got to the bottom. It's your fault. Sam. Mm. And we also have him trying this new age way of thinking of sex and love. Okay, so if you want to have this discussion about sex and love, mm-hmm. okay, fine. But that's not what's really happening. Like, that is not what... You are not separating sex and love. You're just saying this idea or this 
if you think that, okay, but you're just saying that because you want to make this fit. So she tells you, I'm done. Yeah. Mm. Bob? Again, again, abandonment, threatening abandonment, conveying abandonment. She's saying, just just let me go then. Mm -hmm. And... The, the one thing I do, which I'm sure we'll get into when we do our episode on the sexual stuff, there is a difference with them when it comes to sex between love and sex because they don't have loving sex. Um, they essentially use people's bodies to, to masturbate with. Mm-hmm. And I've heard several people describe that as sex with people that have NPD because it's all about them. There's no actual mutual um, experience <laughs> happening. They're doing what they want to do, and you're just there. And so that is probably true. That's one thing that is true for him. I just got this so, image of Christian Bale from American Psycho when he's pumping that girl, and he's in, looking at himself in the mirror, and he's flexing and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was one of the funniest images I ever saw. They Go were ahead, just talking about this this week with him banging Beth in the head with a necklace vigorously and well not like this is true because I don't believe they have sex but if they did he said I'm just banging away vigorously and smashing her in the head with my necklace and she said well I move your necklace around but you don't even notice yeah well that's that's what I've heard they just sort of go to town and whatever happens on the other person's end, kind of whatever. They're not interested in having it be a mutual, um, pleasant experience. They just sort of go to town, and then that's the end of it. I've heard that quite a bit. I'm going to play another clip that's called, that's the, another of the Todd, Dr. Todd Grande clips. It's called No Progress, No Compromise. And it's just, it's kind of, it's to where Allison and Stern are uh, at that point uh, when, when we're listening to these other clips. Now, to move on to the fourth sign, we see that there are a lot of non-productive arguments that occur in the context of these relationships. There's no progress, and just like with the third sign, there's really no compromise. No compromise occurs that kind of heals whatever the argument is about. So the argument just continues, and it's kind of a war of attrition, right? There's no response that's adequate. Just like the third sign, there's nothing that can be said that can fix it. So it just becomes this war of attrition. It's simply just abuse. It's arguing just to cause pain because there is no acceptable solution. So in a sense, sometimes somebody who has vulnerable narcissism, they can tolerate arguments better than somebody who doesn't. Not most of the time, interestingly, but some of the time they can. And they can use this ability to just wear the other person down. I think you mentioned that on the very first episode we did, uh, Bob, where it's 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 like um, they they just keep continually looping into this locked idea of like attack, 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 keep you on the defensive. Maybe both uh, the first and second episodes, because I know there will be some repetition, guys. Bear with us. But um, that when you hear the next, the last clip that we're going to play, or second last clip that we're going to play, the long one, it's never more apparent than that jingle ball clip. Yes, Sam. Who do you think? experienced or experiences more of this uh i don't know if it's a how do you say this abuse or this type of narcissism that dr todd grande is talking about allison or beth beth no question no because because he's he's he has the unfettered 
um, sort of and more more what's the expression um, more pronounced NPD now than more developed NPD symptoms than when he was with Allison, right? That's part of it. Yeah, and <clears throat> I mean Beth doesn't have boundaries mm-hmm. the way that. Um, you know, what, what I heard Allison, which we'll go into when we get to the jingle ball. Um, yeah, I, I don't. And, and on top of all of that, you know, Beth really has everything stacked against her because Allison, you know, does have the kids and Allison is able to have a career if she really wants to. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Allison was as addicted to striving for the fame and money that that Beth is which is part of it, and Howard knows that she wants that, and Howard's exploiting it. So I, I think that once he knows all those things, he, he can exact his abuse in a much more flagrant way. It's interesting you mentioned that, because now it's, it's also occurring to me that as the later, later on in Allison and Howard's marriage, she starts to take, I guess, uh, tries to take more advantage of the fact that he can get free tickets to this and screenings. But she wasn't doing that for the longest time. She's raising the kids. As they're getting older, she says, decides, oh, can you get me, and the Jingle Ball thing was an example of that, can you get me mm-hmm. tickets to this concert? Um, and can you, she went to a movie premiere, premiere and she met um, Julia Roberts, like she shook her hand or something like that. He doesn't really start to get upset about that until it happens to Allison. With Beth, he accepts it. Like it's sort of like she's she's the one that the the guys divorce the the ex, uh, and she's the one that reaps the benefits of the shit Allison had to fucking take. So mm-hmm. she can do these things, but she's not going to challenge him because she doesn't have really a means to become um, famous on her own. Uh, yeah, autonomous. Absolutely, Sam. But interestingly. She, even just, like, going out was an issue for their marriage. Just yeah. even doing regular date things, dinner mm-hmm. or a movie. He has right, he resented that. But with Beth, it's it's a full-blown event. And it was constant. Their whole relationship was this constant, publicized event. Well, it was it was all fine with him and Allison as long as she deferred to him. But later on, when she starts to assert her independence and start, start she never says it's all about him. She starts to well for she and for a long time she she would hold him in check. But until she finally got worn away and said "fuck this," uh, that's when he served no purpose to her because to him because she's not supplying him with that supp- that uh, narcissistic supply anymore. And that's why he's pissed. Yeah, absolutely. So, but now that's not that's never was never going to challenge him on that, especially early on, like early years. Yes, Sam. But now Beth is in the house. Well, like she does her kitten drops and shit. But Beth's fame and his fame is running out. And where does this leave? And now you see she's falling apart at the seams, right? Yeah. So, where does this leave her? Because she's completely hopeless. Maybe we should go into this when we get into the Beth stuff in right. earnest. When we get to we'll the ep- Beth it. episode, but we'll we'll see where it go- leads to. But uh, let's go with uh, the next one. Allison starting to uh, sorry, uh, free me and let me date who I want. This is a bit of a long clip, but we'll try our best. This is the first time this has ever oh, happened. You almost wrecked my life, honey. This is the first time that ever happened. That's not true. That is true. No, Usually, I have to instigate. It's happened before. It's happened before. And then I. Uh, I appreciate what you have, and you know what? If you want to throw it all away. Free me, and then I'll be free to date. 
You want to date? Find somebody who really appreciates this. That's right. I'll be watching you just, TV today, Elsa. No, you you have to throw me out of the house. <laughs> That's right. He, you know, the girls have to attack him, and you have to throw him out. I wonder something though. If we break up, aggressive. Allison, if we break up, would we still be friends? I don't think so. Really? And you mentioned that before, Bob. You said that most NPD spouses or ex partners or whatever of NPD sufferers uh, typically don't have anything to do with them once that connection is severed. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that goes through the whole discard phase, and it's not even just when it's um, a a spouse. It also is when it's a parent, when mm -hmm. it's a friend, when it's a coworker. There's usually not a relationship outside of that. After the discard happens, they don't want anything to do with that person. Mm -hmm. Most almost ninety nine percent of the time. And yes, ladies and gentlemen of the QF family, with that it also includes ex-employees that he that seek independence and uh, and who have you know he's written off for whatever fucking reason. Uh, but we're again we're just dealing with the spouses. Uh, yeah, Bob. Yeah, the discard can go two ways. That's the tricky thing about the discard is once mm -hmm. someone starts to catch on to them, they can discard them, and then once they haven't, they don't see any value in that person any. Once the narcissist doesn't see the value in that person any longer, they can discard them. Mm -hmm. So the discard can actually be two ways. And usually when the discard happens, it's usually a thing where it's like, yeah, they just left out of nowhere. You know what they'll say is out of nowhere. But you see the confusion with people like Artie or Dominic where they're just like, I don't know what happened. Like, I just don't hear from this guy anymore, like, because right. they've been discarded. So, yeah. And it's unceremonious most of the time. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Sam. Um, to elaborate on that, or what I want to ask is, some people during that discard um, act that you're talking about, like, have different responses. So you see um, a Scott Einzinger, Scott DePace, a stuttering John, mm -hmm. for example, basically. Mm. That discard has left them all in different places in their life, and they've each handled it differently. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, like, why would, uh, why and how uh, do does this discard affect certain people? I don't know. Sometimes where it like almost paralyzes them in their life, and they can't move on, or they just accept it and move on. What's what's the difference? Why can't... Perspective. I, don't, I don't understand. I think for certain people, they're confused because sometimes the discard happens when they need that person the most or when they're the most vulnerable. So they'll wind up being confused if that's the case. Um, some people, it, it's just, I don't know. I just think it's different perspectives, different ways people justify it. But... I normally Even though, like, always time, do. like, all the time that it has elapsed, they still... What do you mean? They still hold on. Like, look at Stuttering John's podcast. Yeah, because I mean, people he's are, insane. I think, it, I think it's people trying to make sense of what happens. Because when there is that final abandonment, because people have normal trajectories that, that are neurotypical or healthy people, whereas, like... Yeah, I just sort of stopped seeing them. We stopped getting together after a certain period of time. They kind of went their separate ways. They got married. They, you know, 
with narcissistic discard, it's complete abandonment overnight. And so people don't normally have that sort of relationship trajectory. So a lot of people need closure, they need answers, and really there aren't any. So they continue to kind of go through these mental cycles and ask these questions, but there, there's really no answer for it at the end of the day. So it, it's about how quickly someone can wind up just moving on and accepting that there isn't answers is, is what I would say. Can you end up being where you never move on? Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's sad. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of narcissistic people revel in doing that to people. And I think that they like really abandoning them in very vulnerable times. So you think that maybe like Howard gets a kick out of the fact that somebody like a stuttering John is this alcoholic embarrassment crying and crowing about him after all these years probably the when it comes to and that's a whole separate episode because we've sort of dealt with the uh, certain departures of the show but we haven't gotten through the the whole litany of all, all of them but um it certain there the, it is fascinating to see you're right sam the difference in from care from individual to individual the reactions that come as a result of it and like the billy west one because that's an episode we're going to eventually do is one of my more one of my more the more intriguing ones to me because he's kind of taken the high road but he's also at some points given indications that no what i'm telling you is partially true but the real truth is more insidious and the fact mm. is i was i was pushed out and i was you know uh, the, well we'll talk about that at another time obviously but it's fascinating that the last days of billy west on the show bob bringing this up to me i thought I looked at every departure individualized. I didn't look at it as a behavioral pattern on Howard's part of this is part of an NPD symptom of discarding. So mm -hmm. I looked at this as an entirely different pattern, if you will. Like I didn't even see this as a pattern. I just thought as each individual person and how they were discarded or how they left the show. Well, let's say let's left the show. Mm -hmm. I thought it was individualized. I didn't realize it was a behavioral pattern in his NPD. So when yeah. you look at it in that way, to me, yeah. it changes the whole way I see how everyone's leaving and how their life has transpired thus far, which is yeah, interesting. There's a, there's a connective thread in the way that they are linked post-departure. So because you see how he treats them almost, they're not, they're just non-entities. Uh, after they're gone, they're of no use to him. Only Stuttering John was mentioned sporadically after he left in sort of favorable terms, and then eventually that stopped. Already, just it went to he just doesn't he doesn't exist on the fucking show anymore. It was a complete write off. Scott Einziger, same thing until um, the lawsuit when he sued him for and the uh, producers of that show. Are you hot? Uh, then he couldn't shut up about it because it was something that was affecting him mentally um at any rate let's continue because this is a long ass clip and we have one even longer afterwards you'd be mad at me would you be like uh the love boat captain's wife would you join that like first ladies. wives club? ladies what is it what is ladies ladies uh life after divorce is eventually sane would you actually like bad you would would you be bad mad at me why first of all i would i would give her half my money 
I'm not giving you more than half. No, you better get a good lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you can hear it in this, it sounds like Allison's already got the fucking divorce papers drawn up. Yeah, they know it's over. Yeah. Bad, bad mouthing me. Would you bad mouth me? That's what you're worried about in the divorce. Not like when would I see my kids? Absolutely. Yeah. And what would you would you tell the truth about me? Really? I work hard for that you money. You have a battery of life. <laughs> I, I <would> just... <laughs> no, but seriously, you still be friends? No, really? You. you would hate me. That's right, because you ruined a wonderful thing. Why would she like you? Exactly. Mm. I was like Robin. <laughs> I would be friends with Robin. You wouldn't turn the children against me, would you? I would try. <laughs> <laughs> she would, too. She'd come in and she's fighting on all sides. No, but I'd win that one. If I wouldn't even have to do anything. If you ever did anything to hurt me, they would hate you. I wouldn't hurt you. I just want to go out and have sex with some women. That would hurt. I just no. want to have sex with Vanessa. Listen, you won't even know. I'm not stupid like Frank. different. piece of shit. Listen to this lovely, yeah. un- no love. Yeah. Just complete hurt. Right. No, no empathy at all. None whatsoever. And really, let's be honest, and this, you've, you've alluded to this before, Bob, why would you ever have your wife on the air for such a discussion? And it was, unless it was completely joking, but at this point, you know, none of the fans really know enough about it and no one hears the replays because there's not the capacity, unless you've taped it on some fucking Maxell cassette or something, you don't know that this stuff is going on. And there's, it's building to a crescendo. So, but now when you listen to it in retrospect, especially it's, and you know what happens, you can totally hear the fucking blueprint of the divorce in all this, con- this conversation. Search the roofing. Oh yeah, she's gonna want you after that. She won't know. I, I, you know what? I wouldn't even be able to look at him. Really? I would be so disgusted. <sighs> My life yep. is hell. It is not. My life is hell because she would think of me as a shit. And she's I would be talk. a shit. She's going to talk. She's going to tell the real fucking truth about me. Yeah. He's still afraid of that. Do you remember, Sam, when we brought up the the Bushkin? He met Bushkin in the hallway, uh, hallways of Sirius when he was plugging the the Johnny Carson book. And he thought, yep. oh, you know, I thought Johnny Carson was a scumbag. But, you know, I don't think it's right to tell a tell-all about, you know, your ex-boss. Uh, Johnny Carson that, was a scumbag afraid. until the bombastic Bushkin decided to write a very thoughtful memoir that revealed yeah. all sides of Johnny. And by the way, to me, painted him not in a bad light in some ways, but an honest light in a great light in a lot of ways. More yeah, it so. Di- it was three-dimensional. He was a dimensional person. It was pretty even-handed, even though I've heard some stories after the fact about the real reasons for that split. And yes, I'm sorry, guys. It's another Johnny Carson mention because we love him. What are we going to say? I'll also mention Paul Lynn because I love him too. Anyway, um, but uh, so yeah, he, he did that whole thing. So that's, that's foremost on his mind. What, what am I going to look like in mm-hmm. this divorce? How am I going to look? But he's not actually caring what does she feel? What do the kids feel? Well, um, listen to this victim flipping. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I'm going to do A, B, and C to you. I'm going to fuck other people. I want to do this and that. Right. And, but, oh, but my life me. is hell. My life yeah. is hell. You're making your life. You're the breadwinner. You're the one who made her stay home. You're the one who doesn't want to watch the kids. And yet, so, she's the one who wants to have sex. Yet it's your life is hell. That's right. Who wants to bitch slap this fuck? <laughs> Bob. It's it's victim, professional victim, vulnerable, yeah. as they call it. Yeah. Yeah. He can't win. So yeah, I just think he's just 
he wants it pinned on her, the divorce pinned on her, so he doesn't look like the complete monster that he really is. Yeah. So let's keep going. Hell, how dare you? <laughs> how many people get what you got yesterday? Everybody. Oh, stop. So this is where he's talking about uh, he got a blowjob or something. We'll have to progress it a little more. Uh, but that's 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 the that's the 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 gist of that one. It's a, it's a long clip. I don't think there's too much more in there, uh, except for the bimba comment, which is is funny, but it doesn't really advance the the whole narrative too much. Yeah, Sam. So she calls in. Obviously, he knew she was going to be calling in. What mm. would their private conversations be like, Bob? If these are what the public on-air conversations are like. These are probably much more authentic and honest and not as covert and not as coded and not as legal. This is where it really comes out. And they're bo- they both know that. And that's why I think she's so... She, I mean, she's flippant in the way that she's speaking, too, and she's being very open because I think they know... This is where we're going to resolve a lot of the stuff that's kind of bubbling beneath the surface. Let's get it out there right now. It's probably why she's calling in at all. Nobody wants to talk about this kind of shit to millions of people listening. (laughs) But she knows I might have a chance of getting this person out of my life. Let's figure out where I am now. I'll I'll start stacking the deck for me, and then we'll go from there. But isn't that completely confounding the fact that you have to have a convert you care what people think so much but you have to have a conversation you have to have a conversation in public in order to hash out the things in private mm-hmm. how does that even make sense well very very little with them makes sense but Again, here we have the microphone, which is his magical key to plausible deniability, which is where he can be the most honest. And he's brought that up a lot. He's like, I I like bringing stuff up on the air that I want to actually say. I'm not going to bring this up off the air with with just a lot of shit. I don't don't know. He did want to write some forewords or something, you know, things like that over the year where people are like, well, why are you bringing this up on the air? Why don't you talk to me off the air? He's like, I don't like doing this off of the air, you know? Because he doesn't have that safeguard. So here he can say anything and then say he didn't mean that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next clip I'm going to play is a, a 30 second clip about him being an absentee father and admitting it. Uh, and it's, it just sounds like horseshit, but you guys hear for yourself. This is a, around the same area. Unbelievable. Well, it's the values you have instituted. I, I don't have it. No, I haven't that. instituted any values. That's what I'm saying. That's right. You didn't. I didn't do it because I'm too busy working to pay for everything. Motherfucker. It's my wife's fault. She's the one who says you didn't she deserves. Her and agree she's on a, what you my wife's a 50-50 partner. She's the one supposed to be in, in, in doing the values while I'm out working. Well, her values are spended. Right. <laughs> well, you didn't come to an agreement well, on it. There's going to be a whole new martial law in town. Yeah, all bu- bullshit. And then Good I'm going to play. Robin, Robin, wait, wait to speak up for women and yeah. mothers. And oh, yeah, she's really she, fair. She's awful. Twat. This second last clip is about. Um, it's a 2001 interview he did with um, Vince McMahon, in which he admits he fucked around on Allison, but he doesn't. It's spontaneous sincerity from the wig. If you if you guys catch my drift, and it because they're addressing Vince's infidelity with his wife in the context. And then it just comes out. He blurts it out. And I believe it a hundred percent doesn't say that he fucked uh, women though. So 
It's my mind, not my penis, and I have to train. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on training my penis. That's where I've been going wrong. That's why I lost half my money. <laughs> I can't believe my penis. Train the mind. Okay, so like right there and then, guys, to me, that's he, you could argue, okay, he's joking, but you don't joke about stuff like that when you have gone through a very public, a very expensive fucking, clearly expensive divorce, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to me, that's the smoking gun. He doesn't, doesn't say that I'm going to cut fucking Ralph in the trailer of private parts. And that's what Hot the smoking issue was. gun. Yeah, exactly. So the last one, and it's is a long one and we're going to get through this as best we can guys. And, uh, it's the jingle ball and we I call it the jingle ball gray rock segment. And mm-hmm. basically it's 1998. I can't remember the exact date, but it's the last time you hear Allison on the show. As far as I know, you, she's referenced on the show over the years since, but not verbally on the show. So let's go with this one. Uh, That's how I feel every time. Yeah. (laughs) I think I was going to call in and say that my wife was hitting it on uh, one of the DJs from Z100 last night. Was what? Hitting on one of the Uh. DJs from Z100. My, My wife went to that jingle ball yeah, that big Christmas concert. Oh, I love how he was trying to, by the way, to piss me off. No. Hold on, Tim. Uh, let's 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 let let that play out just a little bit more because it's a long clip, and then we'll we'll definitely go into it. So hold on, hold on, just one. Yeah. I was going to say I love how he was going to try to mispronounce Jingle Ball because when he doesn't like something, he tries to do that. Uh, Lena Dunham. Uh, oh yeah. This is, so he was like trying to mispronounce Jingle Ball, but couldn't think of a way to mispronounce it. So or, that's yeah. what happened. Or years later when Norm accused him of enabling Artie and he goes, speaking of Norm, why haven't I seen him around? What's happened to his fucking career? And it's all like, you know, how dare you reveal something about me that's negative? It has no clue. No. Z100 is a competing radio station here in New York. And uh, they have this thing, Jingle Ball. I, my, you know, I don't know what the jingle ball is. They're not even old bands she's into, right? She, she, she tries to act like she's into these bands. I never once have heard her listen to music. All right? <laughs> Between you and me. Oh, no. So uh, The music poser is criticizing his wife's taste in music. Right. A guy who likes... Yeah, a guy who likes nothing and like doesn't know music from, from Adam is going to tell people about some something he doesn't know about. And he wouldn't know the lineups because he's not a music fan. Fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. I, I hate when he goes on about music. I really do. Sorry, no Sam. More. I'm sorry. Do you need a shoulder to cry on to sponge? <laughs> yeah. I heard Black Old Sun. It takes me to a dark place. So <laughs> she's running around the house. I got to get tickets to the Jingle Ball. Jingle Ball. Now I know what the Jingle Ball is. Z1, it's a Z- yeah, they have it every It's year. a Z100 they promotion. Oh, yeah. And they're not even having good bands there this year. Like Mariah Carey. Not Mariah Carey. uh, Shania Twain. Don't want to get on Mariah Carey. That's a possible guest. You don't want to fuck on her. Shania Twain. You know. That was the biggest name they had there. The other ones they never even heard of. Well, the uh, Goo Goo Dolls were there. Well, okay. Goo Goo Dolls. (laughs) The people you were groping fucking guys in thongs for in the studio. You you can remember them, though. They're fine. Yeah, Sam? Remember we had a big meeting about how we're going to get them basically out of the music industry if they didn't show up to perform for us dancing with naked men in thongs groping yeah, in a we'll small space? Them. Exactly. We'll blackball them and call them homophobes. So my wife's like, I got to get tickets to the uh, Jingle Balls. And I'm going, you know, 
Does she know how I make my living? That I'm on the radio? That it might be potentially embarrassing to me to have, have my wife. wife at the Jingle this Ball. Yeah. sounds like her girlfriend's, Howard. Can you get yeah, Well, matter. yeah, it doesn't matter. No, I know it's, it's just a, like, you so want to know something, man? I gave him my shrink said to me. Did get you tickets? My now. shrink said to me, you know, I, I, you know, you, you, what's the big deal? It could be funny. It's a, I go, yeah, no. He's not into. Okay, I don't believe his fucking shrink said anything to him about this. This is another one of those things where he goes, my shrink told me. I know a guy. This happened. I don't fucking mm-hmm. buy it. And at one point, he, sh- he says, me. yeah, he does that a lot. Right. Right. right? Like, I know a guy who <laughs> I know a guy. Oh, Bob, if, if he were his shrink, what do you say? He goes, oh, my, even my shrink said, and obviously that doesn't sound believable or intelligent at all. But what would you think he would say in regards to if he was complaining about this? probably would say that what's the big deal because that's probably what we're all thinking right now you know i don't i don't know how big this radio station was this is a this is a music oriented thing you know this isn't man cow or some some rival like that i don't really know how new york new york market are yeah, I don't. I mean, are they in? In it just seems like I've never really equated Howard Stern with a music kind of based show. You know, I know he no. has on, but I think Britney Spears did the Jingle Ball, and I think it, maybe even Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or something. But I think it was one of those things like an iHeart Radio event. Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, back in these the day. radio yeah. shows get a cluster of these pop people of the time and they make some money for the station because advertising and the way music was being digested was changing so it was a good Mm -hmm. cash grab yeah absolutely in a promotion it's an event you draw people you interview them it's also content i mean there's shitloads of reason to host these things and you also have money that you're supposed to spend for a budget for this kind of stuff so um at any rate he, he, him going on about this is just, it's funny. You hear, how many times did you hear me, my, my work, I, like, all, it's all about fucking him. The competition. Yeah. Does she know what I do for a living? That's my favorite. Does yeah, she do know, know what, what I, I do, do for me? a living? Uh, yeah. Do you nothing. know you're a father? <laughs> did she know? Right. I said, you don't understand something. For years. Thank you. I wish you were my shrink. <laughs> I get nowhere. Oh, now this is the other thing that makes me a little confused. At first, when they're talking about his shrink, they mention she as if it's a female. And he's gone for years with saying, I, you know, if I don't have a female shrink, I'll, I'll seduce her. I don't want to have one. And then later on, he goes, my shrink. And he says, he. Is it possible at the time they were doing couples uh, counseling with one and he had another one of his own? Sure. And that was, you know, di- yeah, I, I think that's the, only, that's the only way that makes sense to me. Like, like yeah, if they were yeah. together sitting in on one couple's counseling and then he had his own on the side for his own purposes, which is just mm-hmm. a fucking bitch about what he just talked about in the marriage counseling session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I just thought I was nuts. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I misheard it, but you guys will judge. No, I, th- I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. I don't. I, I do wish she was my wife. You. I'd marry her in a minute. <laughs> She'd, if, she'd, if she would look at me sexually, what do I need to marry her for and then have her ignore me? I got that already. Yeah. Oh, your penis is small. What are you going to do with that? would have married you years ago if I didn't think you'd ridicule me. She'd kill you. All right. So, anyway. Lay up and cut you right in half. All right. Oh, shut up. I'm cutting you right in half, right? Yeah, go ahead, Tim. I can't. I almost like feel like I should just like walk away for the rest of this. Comment. Like I, I want to 
strangle him when this I'm is, hearing this. This is the one, and Bob definitely recommended this one because it's so, uh, it really is one of the most awful, most uncomfortable segments I've ever heard on any radio, any format, anything, TV, reality television in my life. Because, mm-hmm. and this is where you mentioned she does the uh, gray rocking which is basically says, I'm taking this off the air. You're not going to talk about this. Because you could hear her the way you explained it. And then after hearing you tell talk about it in one of the earlier episodes and then listening to it with different ears, mm. she absolutely knew clinically what to do mm-hmm. in this situation. And I was fascinated. Yeah. She sets up boundaries immediately and then Hangs essentially a rocks until... He's tuckered himself out. That's over, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So let's keep going. So listen to this. So like, she's running around the house looking for Jingle Ball tickets. And she's my, my assistant, Laura, Jingle Ball, Jingle Ball, Jingle Ball. And I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, Jingle Ball? Jingle Ball my ass. I'm like just freaking out. You know I mean? But in a real way, I'm just going because, like, you know what? I compete with radio stations for a living. Mm-hmm. That's how she gets to drive around in fancy cars. If you didn't do J- Jingle Ball, would like to see you dead. Right. Oh, and by the way, everybody, when I mentioned earlier about how Robin is the absolute worst in this, because she's on, she's in his fucking pocket the whole time, and she, if I were Allison, and I, I, I don't know that it happened, but if I were Allison, I would have written Robin off for this fucking conversation as well, because mm-hmm. she sometimes takes him to task, but most of the time she's on his side and clearly he's on, he's taken his side in the divorce. Yes, Sam. This is right up there when she said Artie called him a jerk. Oh, hey, Mm -hmm. jerk. And he never said that. So the whole conversation that was spun from that comment of Robin Mm -hmm. was a complete fucking lie. And she was baiting Howard and poking the bear and poking the bear. And She's and also worst. and then defends Howard vociferously during that whole thing, uh, but then also, let's go with the D. Snyder um, call in when he comes. Well, not call in. He actually comes into Sirius, and she attacks him like you've never seen anybody be attacked worse than Howard because it's like um, it's almost like um, uh, he sent her in to do his dirty work, but he didn't. She did it actively without being told. No, I got to protect my meal ticket. Got to make sure he's happy. Don't fucking don't. It's just like it's just like Beth in the Ablo thing. Don't yep. upset him because you made him upset. Remember when we were talking about um, Bowie and John going out to do that weekend in the previous episode when he said, you got to know, don't ask me, don't make me be the bad guy. You know, I don't want you to do it. When I say don't do it, when I say do it, or when I say it's okay, you got to know yeah, it's not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> you exactly. should know. Exactly. So here we go. Everyone at that jingle ball wishes I was dead because yeah. I'm the number one goddamn right. dish jockey in jingle the world. Jingle ball would like to kill you. Yeah. And I'm just saying to myself, boy, this is awfully passive aggressive. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Oh, I you no know. You know a lot. What she's thinking about. What do you think she's thinking about? I'm hoping she's not thinking. Well, do you think that people don't think? I, I think they do. Uh, yeah. Sam? Okay. Let's think about this in reality. One, he's a monolith of a DJ. Allison going to a Jingle Ball concert, which has a plethora of pop stars, isn't Mm -hmm. going to bring the radio station ratings. If he's going to talk about her going to the concert, then maybe people will tune in to see what the morning zoo says. They're not a talk radio. They're a music channel. Music channel, exactly. And they, yeah, exactly. So really, he's he's kind of digging his own, he's hoist he's hoist to his own petard here. He 
he's is drawing attention to something that he claims he wants to destroy. I, I you know I hate to say it, but I think even you know when you say you're not thinking, you're thinking. It's just you're thinking, right? And I, you know what? I used <laughs> and to. You don't want to know how horrible a person you are. I know. I'm. She's talking about Allison. She's saying that in, she inherently wants to go to this thing to fuck with you, Howard. That's that was what she was saying. It, she's saying that there are no accidents. Allison's doing this to exactly to fuck with your head. And if I, if I Allison, and I'm hearing this, I would tell Robin to fuck off, Bob. See, here, here's the thing, and I'm not trying to be a devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she definitely could have been doing that to fuck with him. And she didn't do anything wrong. Right. She didn't do, but that doesn't matter to them. No. You know, she just knows, if I start acting on my own and I don't have to go through him and make, you know, beg to him and try to get mm-hmm. him to call people, because they'll make you do that and they'll make you go through this ritual as well most of the time when they know that you want something, she's like, if I just go around him and I talk directly to all the people I know he's going to talk to, he's going to fucking hate it. And like, we're yeah. sitting here looking like, what's the big deal? You just saved him a call because right. we're, we, we don't think that way. We don't make everything about ourselves like he is. So she, she might've gone to that to, or at least the way that she did it, she might've, she might've done it to fuck with him a little bit. So it's possible. But, it's let's go ahead, Sam. But Robin is, Basically saying Allison is directly doing this to uh, challenge the competition and ratings of like (laughs) somehow that Z100 is in competition with them. Do they know who we were? Does she know what we this has nothing? By the way, nobody would know about this unless you brought this up. Absolutely. See, like the, the other thing, that's why I was bringing it up. I don't know how in direct competition that is with Howard. And the other thing is. You know, again, just speaking as someone that's had some experience in, you know, the music industry and a lot of my friends are still in it, this type of thing isn't really that unusual. Like if there's if there's different labels and they'll say, hey, you know, my my niece wants to come to the record release party. And then if you're super narcissistic, you'll go, well, how does that look? My niece is at a rival label's. There's a certain level that you reach where it's really not that big of a deal. People no. from rival movie studios go to other movie premieres. Like of it course. just it happens, you know. It's yeah. I and know. the other like the other thing is, and this is this is. I'm sorry. the 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 thing was, um, it, it, I think it. Everybody has their own opinion. I think Allison did this in spite of how he felt about it. But it was. I don't think it was a conscious. Let's fuck with him. It was more like sure. I want to go. That I want to go there. And I'm going to ask him about this because she says flat out when you hear her on the end the clip, she'll say, I asked you, you had a chance to veto it or yeah. say I was upset. Never did. So well, we'll go into it. real quick. I think she's yep. stopping. She's done playing his game. And yes. when they see that they're no longer playing the game, they see their control is slipping. And that's why he's actually mad. It's not yes. over the rival radio thing. That's just some talking point that he came up with. But he's mad because he's seeing his grip start to slip. And she's right. no longer playing the game and abiding by these contracts and rules that were never established to begin with. Sure. Sam. Also, too, you have to remember there was no Ticketmaster back then. So when concerts went out, especially with big pop groups, and I was uh, his kid's age, the oldest one, during the time, if you wanted to see a popular band or whatever, you would have to wait in line overnight. Yeah get the lottery, then you'd have to, 
it, it was a whole process. So she just wants the fucking ticket. Yeah. Yeah. For her kids. Yeah. yeah. I'm never thinking, but I'm thinking. <laughs> what is it, Baba Boo? You know, I could tell you something that a rumor that I heard this Baba is going to make you nuts. Go ahead. What? You know, um, so we put in a ticket request. Right. Which is awful because all right. radio says you get tickets for all events. Yeah. It's a, it's a big concert and stuff. I think that we couldn't get tickets. You know, your wife had this request for tickets. And right. Nobody here wants to disappoint. Right. So I think that um, they bought the tickets from scalpers. Oh, my God. Like, I'm so like embarrassed. If, like, so who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck if she got it from scalpers, first of all? And second of all, it, again, like you guys said, it's it, it's irrelevant to what they're doing on the air. It's music. He doesn't have any at- attachment to music. He has no... no he he could care less. He said it himself. I wanted to be more important than the music I was playing and the bands I was bringing in. <laughs> it's all incidental. After the you know whole D Snyder, let's change your image. Let's have the rock and roll guy. Doesn't fucking couldn't. <laughs> he thinks Jackson Brown is rock and roll. Sam. Mm. So actually, Bowie just revealed the fact that this has nothing to do with competing for ratings for a radio station. It is completely personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know what else? You know what else? I don't want my wife asking the station for anything. I don't ask the station for anything. <laughs> it's such a it's such a goddamn insult to me that my kids and my wife are over at the Z100. What about my kids? They don't know what I do for a living. My wife doesn't tell them. Ugh. Oh fuck him! Yes, yeah, Sam, you wanted to say? I hope his kids just clean him the fuck out <laughs> all the time. Take every penny. Don't leave a dollar unturned. I hope they release a book a quarter. (laughs) It's two two different animals. Like, I don't, it's like me saying, uh, I work for the Chicago Blackhawks. You know what it's like getting Bears tickets? You know how that looks? It's like, (laughs) they're different different sports. They don't even really, like, I guess they have some crossover, but it's just, it's two different, completely different things here. As far as I'm doing it. Great analogy. Oh, I push my ball. You encourage them to listen to Z100. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care if they listen to the races. I'm not going to be some hard ass. But my wife, I'm not saying. I'm saying my wife. I mean, why? He's so fucking befuddled. It's, you, can, you can hear it in this. He doesn't know how to explain his real feelings, which is basically that he he's. Um, it's yeah you're right she's bucking his control basically Mm -hmm. and he can't fucking have that so fuck her you don't like by the way that allison spies and listens on you right you don't like it they Mm -hmm. should be listening to other things why are you listening to me working out yeah how does how does that work out the logic i work my ass off to beat the pants off all these guys why would she do that that would be like general lee's wife you know right to a a union ball yeah and getting upset about slavery or something (laughs) you know you know what it is it gives i I understand where you're coming from and i did general lee's wife say general lee's wife general lee was from the south right did his wife go you know honey maybe we should free the blacks no no and he didn't you know (laughs) that's not that's not something he believes in anyway uh sam what fucking type of analogy is this by the way <laughs> fucking what race fucking slavery <laughs> narcissistic tone deaf stupid assholes robin i again anytime he does dumb shit like this when she piles on to me is worse oh, i'm always I, like you're worse yeah again you're in, you're, you're you're not helping him the the, the her and buoy 
they have to tread very carefully. You'll hear it, and they talk about it themselves. They don't say it in as many words, but they do. They do, but it, it's inadvertently. Like, it slips out. Robin carries it. Bowie, yes. Bowie piggybacks it and uh, mimics it. Robin carries it. She Absolutely. carries this shit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get to that ball to raise money to, to free the blacks. Right. <laughs> So you know, you know what this does? Uh, seriously. You know what and it gives them fodder for on the air right. and all that. Right. And now, now, and even off the air. Right. They could say, you know, Howard Stern could be number one all he wants. But hey, his kids and wife would love us. Right. His yeah. wife right. and his kids want to be over here. Nobody would know. Nobody would fucking know if you didn't bring it up. Yeah, exactly. Pisses me off, but I didn't say nothing. I don't say anything anymore. I used to, I used to mouth off about everything, but now I just sit and I still. Is that good for you? Nah, nothing's good for me. Yeah, I'll should... tell you what's good for me. You don't want to hear what's good for me. Wait, you said you brought this up to the shrink. I'll tell you what's good for me. You brought this up to the shrink, you said. I did bring it up. What did you say? Did he say? I don't he... want to discuss but it. You, did he... Now it's he. So, yeah, he's got two different shrinks, one for the marriage counseling and one for himself. Didn't he say that you should, um, I mean, Robert's right. Do you think it's really good for you to just sit and let it fester? No, he said, in fact, he said, nah, I don't want to get into it. What? Nah, he was, nah, well, it's all about, you know, he thinks that I'm, he, think he thinks I'm a madman, okay? Does he think you're wrong? Well, you know what? You do? what? Guess what? Only madmen get anywhere. Right. Where the hell is he? Right. <laughs> Listen to that. Listen to that. Like feeding his fucking ego. Bob, oh, the, about that. Yeah, exactly. Classic flying monkeys stuff. <laughs> And that's not, again, not a racial thing. Not a racial thing, guys. It's just, yeah, that's all that is. Spinning it, spinning the, the truth that's going on in the this current situation. Yeah, I mean, that's all that is. Here, here a qualified psychologist, or I don't know who he's seeing, saying, dude, you're acting fucking crazy. Yeah. And then Robin is telling him, you know, this, this just woman who's certifiable herself is saying, no, no, you're good. <laughs> It's like, no, if you're, if you're a psychiatrist, whoever it is is saying you're acting like a madman, like, that's bad. Like, that's somebody that you're sharing your inner thoughts with. Like, listen to him, dude. That's the guy to listen to. <laughs> Sam, you were looking at something. Did you find something you wanted to read? Well, in the psychology today, if July 2nd, 2020, they mm. said... People with narcissistic personality disorder are generally unwilling to accept any responsibility for anything that they are doing, and they may make their spouse unhappy. They may lie, twist the truth, rewrite history, or shift blame and present themselves as the real victim. This is by Eleanor Greenberg, Ph.D., Understanding Narcissistic Personality Disorder. Mm-hmm. I had read, uh, just I found this on psychcentral.com. It was about uh, 12 survival tips for living with a narcissist. And I won't read all of the, I won't read the, the gist of them, but I'll, I won't read them, uh, sorry, detailed. But it's, it's funny. Number one is study them, which is funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two, call, call it out. It says most mar- narcissists are proud of their own narcissism, citing it as the positive aspect of their personality. Um, statements like "careful, your narcissism is showing" done with a non-sarcastic tone can be quite effective as long as the relationship is trusted and valued by the narcissist. That was something that either of them could definitely appreciate. Number three, ab- understanding the abuse cycle. Uh, number four, discern abuse tactics. Um, 
they're uh, playing playing a game it says here narcissists use their charm to draw others by at, in by asking a question about the other person however they frequently don't bother listening to the answer and often interrupt with a story about themselves yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of becoming angry time this bingo play, play a game to see how quickly the topic changes and try to be try to better the time with each engagement <laughs> oh my <laughs> god be wary of surprise gifts okay that and he doesn't give anything to anybody so that one might be a surprise trip yeah. to mercedes <laughs> this one is spelled incorrectly but feed the ego uh that's a, a sort of a repetition there reset expectations <laughs> <laughs> all i picture is like you know like in super nintendo when like the game would fuck up and you'd have to like reset the game and blow on the thing before you plugged it back in <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a whole bunch. I won't go into them, but either way, I thought those some of those were funny when you when you're talking about the protecting yourself. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. I'm fine. Is that the point? I don't know. And then I heard that like Steve Kingston had to go to Z100 personally and pick up the tickets. Yeah, now you got to be making calls. Yeah, and now I owe Steve Kingston. I don't want to owe people. My wife doesn't get it. I don't want to owe anybody. You don't have to owe anybody when you're Howard Stern in 1998, shithead. They do things for you when you tell them to. You ask them for this shit, you get it. And because you're worth millions and millions of fucking dollars to the station, they do it to make you happy. So you're not owing anybody, fuckhead. And you never, it's not like you you paid, it's not like you paid anybody off that you did that you did oh anyway it's a sopranos episode he's gonna gonna fucking get a lead bite to the knees by fucking john sack do you think someone's someone's gonna come and take his son's suv yeah it's not a big ass it's not a huge thing they didn't go and meet you know, Shania Twain, like, come on stage and do a fucking song with her. It's just probably $40 tickets at the time. Like, I don't know. And I didn't even think about what Sam said. Like, I forgot about getting tickets during that time. And, yeah, it was probably just more sort of out of a convenience thing. Like, hey, can someone there just grab them for us? Like, yeah. Do you know anything? Because I, I do remember that. I remember going... I don't know how I forgot about that, but you're totally right. You go and stand in line at wherever there was a ticket mask or some random ass place. And then you not only had to stand in line, you stood in line, you waited overnight to just get the lottery to then get the tickets. It was a double process thing. It was the biggest pain in the ass of your life to get anything back then. You're right. Like in teenage world. Yeah, I didn't (laughs) didn't even think of that. Off topic, but you just reminded me of a story. <laughs> Florentine, he played a, a clip of him, audio him uh, messing with a uh, uh, with a scalper, saying like, "Well, I, hey, dude, I got how much? You know, will you blow me for these Stones tickets?" That's <laughs> <Something like> <laughs> <laughs> it great. I wish I could find. I used to love when he would do. <laughs> he would talk about just completely gassing up an elevator and just like blaming it on Jim Norton or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ass. Anyway, where's my wife? John, John will get her on the phone. Get her on the phone. Can you find anybody to talk about it? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you, Howard, when, when, when you now you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> when, you, when she gets on the phone right now, yeah. will she have any inkling at all that you're feeling this way? I don't know. Don't ask me. Will this be a huge surprise yeah. for her? A little angry about You know, this? but what you're going to hear. Uh, who are we going to ask? Don't ask me. Uh, are we going to ask who? The fucking intern 
who do you want us to ask about this? Yeah. Don't ask me. Yeah, exactly. That's healthy. There is. Oh, what's the big deal? Yeah. Because it isn't a big deal to anybody she doesn't, but us. Yeah, she doesn't go into work every day and bust her balls. You know what she She's just spending my money. Howard. I mean, no offense. Bye. Bye. I would yeah. fucking serve him at that moment. You know what I would do? I'd be like, guess what? I get the divorce papers quick. Have a server serve him on air. Yeah, she's down right now at that point when she's like, she's down at 2120 uh, Jacobian Myers uh, filing out fucking, <laughs> fucking, you know, forms and saying, listen, I get everything. And in, tr- in return, you don't get, to, nobody gets to see the Polaroids of you blowing Ralph. And uh, you're going to, you're going to take this. Well, I'm not a, the spending the money part is not in, important to me. My wife's probably on Imus this morning. Oh, no. You know? It's, it, it just kind of irked me a little bit because I do work so friggin' hard. But why and you, they reap all the benefits. But why wouldn't you just say something? Because uh, I used why to say something. Why wouldn't you want your family to be Better happy off? and reap the rewards of your labor? Why wouldn't you want your family to, as a unit, mutually succeed and thrive from the financial success you have why wouldn't this, you look at that as an integral part of happiness well this is just gaslighting it's just it's like he doesn't care about the the well he does care he's a cheap fuck so he does care about the aspect that the ticket might cost 20 bucks um <laughs> uh, or you know an upgrade might cost more but it, it's in his mind it's more like um it's you you're not doing what i ask He's just coming up with a bullshit excuse to get angry with her. What he's really angry with is that she, he doesn't want her going out. She says it's earlier in the clip. We didn't play it, but it, it, at the end of it, he, she says, uh, if I leave for a minute, he, he, he doesn't want to go out, but if I go out for a minute, he gets angry and he goes she, like, she, he doesn't want me to ever enjoy my life. She's showing autonomy, independence. She used some of his channels, which he's very, which I think that was really the, the, the game straw. changer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where she started getting into the Beth thing where she was going into premieres and stuff and he didn't want to have to, it wasn't about embarrassment. It was just like, I'm not going to be able to enjoy myself with my wife around. This is separate. This is my work. They don't mix. And as soon as they start to mix and as soon as she starts to go like, you know what? I am his wife. I don't mind being a little more front and center when it comes to this shit. He had a problem with it. And if you notice, and people will talk about it in the next episode, he talks about how long he's been with Beth, but he doesn't actually bring her up on the air until well into their relationship. And that's not because into their supposed relationship. And that's not because that was totally by design. That was, I don't even know who my beard is right now. I have to sort that out because he was still with Robin Givens at the timeline, but she claims she told John Popper in his book that, um, she claims that I'm his secret girlfriend. You're not supposed to know about this. And like, why would someone who didn't want the help? Yeah, why Dominic would someone who Barbara didn't want the limelight say that? Go ahead. Dominic Barbara said those were both people who didn't have sex with him. They were both just Beards. publicity, publicity during the, stunts. During the marriage thing to make it, like, for whatever reason, to make him look like a coxman or something like that, or to cover up some other nefarious shit that involves semen and cocks. I don't know. Um, I won't uh, cast any aspersions. So let's keep going. Big argument. Well, I don't know how you say it either. Oh, I'll tell you I how know, I say I, it. I, I, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I say you're not going to that goddamn thing. Why don't you think about who I am? No, that's the wrong See, thing. I know how you feel about this because yeah. we talk about this. Right. 
Okay. Right. I don't. <laughs> but I don't talk about it with my wife. <laughs> I don't know that anybody knows how yeah. deeply you feel about uh, you this outside of here. This woman traveled the country with me for twenty years. I don't. It's not. Hey, hey, okay. Feel. Not the same. Okay. Yep. Traveled the country with me, as Benjamin so astutely said in our private parts. Breakdown. Walk through. Yeah. She didn't travel the country with him. He just applied for jobs and as hired, fired, or better opportunity, took them and said, you better come. Yeah. She, she had didn't to drop have a everything. choice in any of it. No. So travel the country with him is a really nice way of saying, um, he just did her. this and I was married. Yeah. She was like an appendage at that point. As knowing... Bottom line, what it means. But, but why does it always have to? Why do you have to bring it up like that? Couldn't you say it in a? No, I don't say. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Frankly, if you really knew how Howard felt, would you ever bring it up? Yeah, and believe me, she knows how what? I feel. Couldn't I don't you? buy that she doesn't know how I, I feel. I certainly wouldn't come in here and ask for Jay right. Wall tickets. Right. Hi, honey. Hi. Hi, honey. How was the uh, How was the concert last night? Wonderful. You had a great time. I had a great time. Yeah. Well, tell me all about it. Howard, please. I'm I'm really busy right now. No, come on, honey. Tell me all about it. <laughs> Tell my audience how the Z100 jingle ball works. <laughs> do you do you hear the tone in his voice? Very, very passive aggressive. There's no mistaking it. He's goading her, and she's setting yep. up boundaries. She's going, "I had a good time. I don't want to go into this." He's like, mm -hmm. "No, no, let's do it." She's like, "No, I I'm not doing this. It's just yeah. boundaries. It's just no." Yeah, and she knows, it. and she knows his you moves. Yeah. Bob, do you think that she's getting, I think she's going up above his um, mental game right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I think his passive aggressive, which would normally probably dominate this, is actually losing because she's saying it was great. Yeah, <laughs> and she's doing I, better. I think, and, and I'm just telling you, honestly, I think she knew what she was doing. And I think that she knew that it was going to demonstrate to him that he's lost control. I think she knew it was going to drive him fucking crazy. She knew calling in. And I think she's just like, look, you're going to try your, your shit with me. You got me on the air. No, we're not doing this. I had a great time at this show, by, by the way. But, yeah, we're not, we're not going to do this right now and laugh yeah. it off. She already knows everything that's coming. And right. she deals with it accordingly. She laughs it off. Alice is like, suck my dick. How did my children enjoy it? They really enjoyed it. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I do for a living? <laughs> what do you think I do for a living? Stop it, Howard. No, seriously. No, don't talk to me like that. I'm, I'm not allowed very to. Condescending. All right, but but mm. really, you need to say to me. Okay, don't you think it might? Did you ever occur to you that it might bother me that I work every day and Z100 spends all day trying to beat me, and that I'm in competition with another radio station? That it might be potentially embarrassing me to me that my children and my wife. Well, I don't think anybody there knew that I was calling that. Okay, yes, yeah, Sam? That's right. One, I don't think anyone knew I was going there. The only reason why they know is because you're currently bringing this up because it fucking burnt your ass, and she knew it was. So you're right, Bob. She probably knew it would fucking get him hot all fucking weekend. He comes in, brings this up, and now, perfectly played, this is, what, this is the reaction. And she says, and Allison says, when he goes, do you know who I'm in competition with? Do you know who I'm in competition with? She is not taking that bait. 
And yep. so he immediately kneels, bends the knee because he doesn't mm-hmm. even know where to go from there because she's not putting up with this shit. She's changed Explain the parameter. She's changed the parameters of the argument that they're going to have. She's decided, no, we're not playing your yeah. fucking game, you little twit, you twig, you stick insect. Yeah. We're going to go exactly this way. What's happening? That's no, you exactly suck. You suck happening. my dick, asshole. Yep. And, and, and that's exactly how she handled it. Explain yourself. Explain yourself here. I'm not fucking explaining anything. We're done here. We're yeah. not going to this. Yeah. Did you know that Steve Kingston had to go buy tickets for you from a scalper? Yeah. And that I now, and now that I, I'm the one who has to pay for that? I mean, no. I don't mean with money. I mean no, with favors. No, I, I was willing to pay for any tickets I got, Howard. Stop it. No, but they feel, listen, when you call, they don't want to disappoint no, they you. they said to me, we don't think we can do it. And I said, fine. But I they, wasn't looking for anything. I'm not, I listen. mean, if he had to buy tickets, then then I'll certainly pay for the tickets. I wasn't looking for anything at all. But I mean, you know, the, the I kids mean, were interested in going, and that was it. How, who was there that was so important? Shania Twain. I mean, I'm just curious. I'm not. I mean, I don't know. Listen, it, if I you guess have it a bo- problem with it. Why don't we talk about a problem? No, but I mean, okay? it does bother. I'll talk to you later. It bothers me. I'm really not. I'm really not interested. Uh, uh, I'll talk to Steve and I'll pay him the money. No, no, no. You don't and have to I pay. Really no, that's it. no. Don't pay him. I'm not interested in this. Oh, I'm really not. I'm really sorry. I'll talk to you another time. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> now that was masterfully played she totally mm-hmm. nullified the kingston thing by saying i'm gonna fucking pay i'm gonna pay him off and i don't want to talk about this and she to- totally shut him down i that was such an amazing takedown and just said i'm leaving i'm de- i'm leaving i'm fucking leaving the battlefield because mm-hmm. this is not a war that can be won hence your expression your, your the term gray rocking what you brought up um in the previous episodes so what I want to make a note of when people listen to our next episode of Beth is one of the things I requested is when she calls in after she took a photo. I think the guy's name was Jared. Yeah, and, from Mom um, Kings. I think King of All Blacks, I'm pretty sure, is a guy who Howard yeah. lets berate on air. On air. Yeah. Um, yep. But just note the difference between those two calls because it's a very similar scenario where He's sort of got all the people in there. He's built a case. He's gotten everybody's temperature. They've all committed to his argument. And so then he calls um, Beth, and it's a very different result than what we just heard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sam? I wish more people would masterfully take down Howard like this. Just enough. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just okay. enough, to, just enough to show them like, a, like a, like when the uh, animals show a dominance and the other ones like submissive and you're like, oh, no, no, we're just playing, but you're the, you're the, you're the king. I know that. And mm-hmm. he, if, if if more guests did that, he wouldn't have any guests at all because he wouldn't. Do you be know able- what I do for a living? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, nothing there. You're getting nothing out of that. You're getting nothing. Mm-hmm. And then goodbye. She didn't even, we'll talk about she it didn't later. Goodbye. With she just said we're not no. doing this right. That's what gray rocking is. It's where you don't even really have an emotional response. Right. It's called a, um, observing without responding. So, yeah, that's essentially what she did. She just mm-hmm. was like, I'm not doing this. It's over. And by doing that, she's also starving him of the attention that he needs. It's so by doing that, you're going to make him even more enraged. And ultimately, uh, you're going, well, you won't win. There's no win. There's no battle to be won with those fucking people. But Sam? And Think about how much and how long when people say, oh, she got so much or she got half or they look at Allison maybe in like this um, leech sense of financials and whatnot. 
yeah, think because about of the way he's how painted. long she had to deal with this to even get to the point where she so masterfully dismisses his bullshit. Mm-hmm. A lot goes into that. And yep. that takes a long time and a lot of suffering and a lot of abuse before you get to that point. And possibly education in this case, because if she mm-hmm. knows exactly now, she knows exactly what she's dealing with before. Because as you said, Bob, NPD was is a, a quite a new thing in the term in terms of psychology in, yeah. in relative relative terms. I mean, mm-hmm. when you when you talk about the history of psychology and psychiatry, it's still very much uh, in its like uh, it's young. Sure. Yeah, not, not, would, not the not that. the roots of it, but the conception of NPD yeah. and the, the covert yeah. versus overt. Um, and I so, think I think some people struggle with where you look at that and you go, okay, well, it's attention, but who would want that kind of attention where they're being aggressive or, or abusive? But the thing is, is that it doesn't matter to them that that hmm. it's attention. So it's like. Even if you starve them of negative attention, attention is really the end of the, the, the end goal of what they want. So like if we're in a room or, you know, I come into a room with you and I pull a gun on you, that's negative attention because you're right. like, is this guy going to shoot me? But the thing is, is I have your undivided attention. Like I have acquired from you what I want, that supply. Mm-hmm. I have your undivided attention and you're at my mercy so Mm -hmm. they'll they'll use that same kind of tactic in an argument which is what he was trying to do to her here but Mm -hmm. she completely gray rocked and and just set up boundaries whereas beth has no boundaries so Mm -hmm. he used to yeah it's not until way later in her and him and beth's relationship where she starts to actually sort of challenge him on certain things Mm -hmm. and she knows where he she can bend him uh, bend him over the table um sam you wanted to say The thing that I truly noticed the most when we've been doing these is when you're reading in these articles, like you said, there there are a lot of articles about NPD, but there are not a lot of resolutions or um, proven ideas of what works. There are some, but there's not that many actually like clinical-like I guess to say uh, it it just feels like an underdeveloped uh, mental disorder that the people haven't really, they say, okay, here are some things to try, but we're not sure about what to do. It it seems very um, indecisive. So I think that just bringing attention to this and what you're saying, these are actually proven tactics as we're showing through these arguments and what you're Mm -hmm. saying that work, because I feel Um, like when you read all these articles, it's a lot of multiple choice of maybe this might work. Right. How does it apply? But we have no examples. Exactly. I'll tell anybody that's listening to this right now. The only thing that works is you gray rock them until you can get away from them and eliminate them completely. Don't allow them in partially. Don't allow them in halfway. Don't don't start a text conversation. They have to be eliminated from your life completely. That is the only tactic that works. Mm-hmm. So complete withdrawal. Yeah, it's it's referred to as no contact. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's very important because just in reading these articles, they give you maybe ideas that may work, not even proven. And is there's it, no examples. So Bob well, is, is doing a really great service of just doing this, I think. 
isn't part of the reason because there are people with multiple diagnoses along the spectrum that don't fall neatly into one sort of shoehorned um like this is that person like some people yeah are, are you know classic textbook this and that uh but yeah. then the, you said along the spectrum there are things that um overlap in yeah. uh in in personality traits in personality yeah. types wherein yeah. wherein you can't there is no one like one solution fits all yeah. uh, except in certain well, yeah. in except in this gray rocking situation uh, uh method that you describe in which it should you know, it's the only, as you said, it's the only solution. Yeah, you're, you're talking about uh, cluster B personality disorders, which encompass histrionic, antisocial. Um, there's a few other ones, maybe paranoid. I, I'm, not, I'm not completely sure, but um, definitely antisocial. Uh, borderline is mm -hmm. also in. Yeah, there, there is no real resolution, and they actually wind up getting worse over time, which is why I think we're seeing that again with Howard. Um, when I listen to his shows now, it's like <laughs> raw and filtered. I, I can't believe it's making it on air, to be honest with you. It is so fucking strange. And it's, a, it's a flea market of neuroses. Yeah, uh, Sam. I just thought about Bob the whole time when he was doing the Regis film and thing. I go... He can't even help himself. No. He can't. This guy died and he can't even fucking help himself from how no. insane he sounds. I still have to listen to it to be honest with you because we were I was on vacation for for this week so I just got back to just got back yesterday actually. And um either way because I got yelled at. Yeah, how about those myths? Uh, so not a good idea. <laughs> no, it's not a good idea. No, not a good but I didn't think it was a big controversial discussion. I just no, don't no, think... No, but you know no, what it is? once it's again, the way... it got married into, in the wrong area. Mm. It had nothing to do with the money. Plus, if she pays Steve, she's paying him with my money. So I don't want but her to pay Steve. It has nothing to do with the money. Oh. The truth is, you don't appreciate... It seems like a lack of support. And, yeah, it's like the president of General Motors, his wife oh. driving a Mercedes. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Howard, you might have been a little teeny bit condescending. Maybe was I? Maybe right. the, oh, maybe the angle you took. No, that's no the truth is. Well, that, I know what the truth is, but sometimes it's no, how you no, say it. No, the truth is that they start talking about issues other than the real uh, issue. Well, I now that's Gary covering his bases. He want he doesn't want to get on Allison's bad side or Howard's. Doesn't want to go against him, but still wants to let it be known. Look. I didn't fully go down the fucking into the trenches with him like Robin did. Robin jumped on the grenade um, and she lit it too. She ignited it. Sorry. You were going to say, Bob? You know, what's funny about that is he provides the perfect argument for what I was saying before with the Blackhawks and the Bears. You think the president of Ford's wife drives a fucking Ford? No, she drives a Mercedes. <laughs> Exactly. And, and, we, we, and I, I can tell you here, you know, I've, I've talked to Sam about um, our star hockey player on the Blackhawks, uh, Patrick Kane. Kane, yeah. Him, him and Jonathan Taves have a big, I think it's like a Chevy deal. They have these corny Chevy commercials. I know for a fact that Kane drives a Maserati because I've seen it before. Like, I've seen it downtown. Like, yeah, they don't drive Chevys, dude. Like, right. And it's not a big deal. It's just... It's just how it goes. Everybody knows, like, yeah, the 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 president's wife isn't driving a Ford truck. She's she's driving a Mercedes, probably, and it's not a big deal. It's just when you're at that level, that's just how things are, you know. But doesn't this also tie into the whole victimization? Like that station is against me. They're the enemy. They're against me. Now my wife's oh. against me. Uh, you know, like she's going to the fucking competition. Um, mm -hmm. no, if and the other thing is, and it'll get brought up later in this clip, if you're number one, 
what do you give a fuck where she attends and who she's thinks she attends because you should be you should have the um the self-confidence to know that well i don't care i don't care where she goes i'm number one so Mm -hmm. fuck it who cares like they can eat our fucking dust and he doesn't take that. Like he's not smart enough to get out of his own way, as we've said many times before. He doesn't. Con- he doesn't craft these things very, very intelligently. Uh, no. Sam, you wanted to say you look very pensive, and it almost seems like I am pensive because I love um, taking in what both of you say. But it also strikes me as Robin is almost in panic speak, where it's like this build up. And then once she hung up, it's not a backtrack necessarily, but it's a, uh, maybe I should think about how I said this or what I said, which way should, it, it seems, it, she seems frantic to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, this is this exact same tone she had when we did, we talked about it before about uh, Bo- uh, Bowie and John leaving to go to LA with taking the rest of the crew with them. She goes, I'm upset because he's upset. It, like so, and she is the nervous laughter. It's all there, and the fast and the sort of high pit, you know, sort of higher haughty tone of voice. Like Gary, you don't know what you're talking about. This is such a this is business, and in business, she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. She just knows if he's miserable, I'm going to be fucking miserable because I won't have to. I'll, I'll, I won't at that point. They're still talking. She won't hear the fucking end of it. It's not like he's going to co confront his wife. He's going to go to Robin. Too. Yeah, she. That's yeah. Well, that's her job. She's the she's again. Look it up online. Flying monkey. It goes with people that have NCD. But yeah. her job is to smooth things over, go along with him, paint the scenario. What just happened was Howard's wife called up and said, <laughs> "Hey, I went to this thing. I did nothing wrong. You're a complete fucking prick. We'll talk later." And hung up. <laughs> and like right now, he looks like an asshole. So like she's sitting there like, "Wow, that did not you don't go know. Straight. You don't know. It's like." Well, we're in the trenches. What? The trenches. <laughs> We're in the fucking trail. Like it's like they're fighting mustard gas at K Rock. You're God. fucking lucky. You're the luckiest hole in broadcasting. Honey. She, she she really is. I hate to say may say it, but Bob Levy's one shining moment where he said, if it wasn't for Howard Stern, she'd be saying, Welcome to Popeye's Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> She really is talentless. Yeah, it is, it is. It is extraordinary. Our next bit, I, I'd love, I, and I'm going to reach out to people in the, in the, you know, Ethernet, whatever the fuck. Like, uh, if anybody was ever in the audience for Ro- Robin's talk show test pilot, please, mm. please, please, I will pay money for you to come on our show. I would love to know what it was like. And if you're going to bullshit, like, you know, make a story, make it a good entertaining story. I would love to have a copy of that fucking pilot. If anybody has a copy, any producers out there can wrangle that copy. Please, we want to hear that. We I want to literally kill to see that because of, well, a variety of reasons but main one being this was the height of her fucking narcissism when it came to money uh clout her bullshit vegetation trips magnet ear fat loss yeah green drink nonsense i would kill to see that pilot well, it predates it by a few years, but yeah, she was, that was the time of the, um, 60 minutes piece Howard did. And in the summer where they didn't, um, they went with Tyra Banks show instead of hers. And, um, she would, she was desperately trying to get her own 
fucking deal, right? Her own show and it flopped. And I would love to see that fucking train wreck. It would have been worse than the Fox pilots, which yeah, uh, probably so, takes some doing. Anyway, let's get to the real issue. Yeah, your real issue is that you don't want her going to other radio station events. But she knows that. No, she doesn't. She doesn't? Because right, now she thinks it's about the money. Oh, no, it's not about the money. But that's what she thought. See, because you all right, you know, you started piling into another area that really has nothing to do with the real got off area the focus. I did? concern. Yes. Oh. Tell me the truth. I, I don't know. How, yeah. how do you walk in the door? What are you talking about? What's the, what, that's, such a, you mean, that's such a controversial discussion whether my wife should go to the jingle no, ball? No, I'm saying that. Okay, Sam? She said, you think it's a, she thinks it's about the money. Yeah, because Howard just said, you're using my money. I'm going to have to owe him back. I'm going to have to do a favor. It's not about the money. Allison knows it's not about the money, but he says that just to belittle her, to show that her value isn't worth much because she's not the one being a breadwinner. So that's the only reason why the money issue was brought up. That's right. Uh, Bob? It wasn't a conversation about her going to the money balls. He's saying she's a piece of shit that's all his money while he slaves away. Like, did he just forget that? Like, that's a pretty he did. serious he accusation. Did. No, I, I, they, they always forget. I, it's just like, you just, <laughs> that's why you never win. It's like, no, it you wasn't. know what? You do, you know what? It reminds me of Tetris when, say, pretend Tetris and the blocks just start piling on, you yeah. almost start forgetting how the last thing outrageous that they said. And the blocks just keep piling till they build up yeah. to the top and you're done because yeah. that's how, how often it happens and how quick it happens. The blocks fall. If you don't place them right, you're, you're going to lose it. And so that just keeps piling. Yeah. His opening line was, do you know what I do for a living? What, what's he saying there? How fucking stupid are you? How ignorant. That's a, that's a like, square. You couldn't fit into a smaller square, son. Okay. Boom. 